Welcome to Sunglasses at Night podcast, episode, I don't know the number, but it's 1989. 1989. The last year of the decade. Oh, absolutely. Look, last year we looked at 88, um, Australia's bicentenary with so much great stuff happening in conjunction with that, so many good commercials. 89, is it a bit of a letdown after 88 or is it still a good year? I'm still missing the bicentennial. I'm still humming that song. Oh, absolutely. About white people. For sure. Being awesome in Australia. I mean, I don't know what else you can add. I don't know. And I'm still missing the Australian Olympians doing a song to raise money to send people to Seoul for the 88 (laughs) Games. That was pretty good as well. 88 was great. So many events. 89 had no events. No Olympics, no Bicentennial, nothing that I can recall. However, it was sort of, you know, I think there's a bit of last year of the decade sort of vibe. People are excited by what's going to come. That's true. Who knew what the 90s would bring? Well, no one knew. People probably thought it'd be much of the same as the 80s, but they were in for a rude shock, um, both culturally and musically, when things took a bit of a turn. For the better, for the worse, I don't really know. (laughs) I guess if you're a hair metal band in 1988 and you went, this is going to last for fucking ever, (laughs) and then Kurt Cobain shows up and it's like, holy shit, I'm working at KFC now because no one gives a fuck about someone with permed hair and spandex (laughs) singing power ballads, but alas. I do. Oh, yeah. So do I. I mean, yeah. That's the thing. Poison or Nirvana? It's still a tough call for me. I don't really know. Who was more culturally significant? Hard to say. If any... If, have you... You must have heard about, you know, the the sort of low-key uh, beef that went on between Kurt Cobain and Axl Rose oh, certainly. over the course of years. <laughs> if anybody doesn't know about that, I don't know one convenient place where you can read about it all, but it is quite funny if you just want to... There's some great moments in that. Essentially, Axel Rose convinced himself that he was in some sort of East Coast, West Coast hair metal gangster rap war with Kurt Cobain, <laughs> who was busting in on his territory, whereas Kurt Cobain, who grew up listening to Guns N' Roses, thought it was all fairly amusing and stupid. And Absolutely. I don't know <laughs> a who bit won like the... the Blur Oasis oh, feud very much of so. the early 90s, which was a similar sort of vibe happening there. it was very much like that and there was sort of a bit I guess a changing of the guard sort of thing Guns oh, N' Roses were probably the biggest band in the world then Nirvana came along but look um, someone may have won the battle but who won the war I think Guns N' Roses <laughs> are still going now Chinese democracy did well people still love that mm. band Kurt Cobain Nirvana you know he's been dead for 25 That's years at right. this stage Axel so. Rose is overweight but he is still alive absolutely he's doing some white man reggae <laughs> give us some reggae That's he's doing right. that it's pretty sweet I love it so for sure who's the better band I don't really know we'll never will anyone ever be able to say honestly who was I mean, better you can't argue that Nirvana will never release Usual Illusion 1 and 2. I mean, they won't. They never did that. Say what you like. They didn't do two albums and release them on the same day um, <laughs> when they could have just released one album. Um, and it would have been one album's <laughs> worth of good material that was stretched between the two. Yes. I love the fact that, uh, yeah, they did 
release two 14 song albums yet they had about eight good songs so it was just sort of there's a lot of filler on those use your illusion albums I mean, but it is sometimes i do sometimes enjoy imagining with all these rock star the you know the ones who died hot and young your mm. jim morrison's your kurt cobain's the idea of a massively overweight 48 year old kurt cobain who's just spent 12 years obsessively re-recording one not very good album <laughs> trapped in a studio with a crystal healer, a shaman reader, yep. a guitarist with a KFC bucket on his head who will only <laughs> perform inside a live chicken coop. Absolutely. Just lit throwing piles of record company money on the fire, Certainly. taking a piss on it and then going to bed. That is a funny... And then he's also still alive, you know, so it's a win-win situation. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, the excesses of rock and roll time, I guess. <laughs> Something that... Um I don't know, like Nirvana, those grunge bands, they might have thrown a TV out of a window or something from time to time, but they certainly didn't spend the best part of two decades recording a mediocre album for about a billion dollars. So, you know. They didn't. But that's fine, anyway. um, Buckethead, I love that guy. (laughs) He's keeping it real. Don't know what he's up to now, but hopefully he's still releasing good music with a KFC bucket on his head. So, anyway, I digress from the actual (laughs) core component of this. We're getting ahead of ourselves. 89 Aria Charts features um, neither Guns N' Roses nor Nirvana, unfortunately. No, but Um, it is the end of an era. It if is. you consider the 80s to be an era, which people seem to do. They do, absolutely. So, I mean, there's there's obviously a bit of bleed through. People sort of think that, that the yes. 80s ends on the 31st of December 1989. But the reality is that, yeah, early 90s, you still get a bit of that shit. Like some sort of 80s stuff. And then sort of... But the 90s relatively quickly, I think, whenever Nevermind came out and that sort of... Yeah, or Rage Against Machine. 91, 92. Yep. That's when grunge started to... And they that, overlapped. Use your illusion and never mind overlapped. They, yeah, they did. Like, yeah. While people were queuing up to get Use Your Illusion 2 at sleeping around the block outside Brashes, <laughs> Nirvana yeah. was being Nevermind was being put on shelves waiting to just destroy these, these Absolutely. <laughs> and I think what we've learnt so far in this podcast um, is that the predominant predominantly the songs were um, I guess Pop songs. You did have some rock songs, yes. but not a lot of for the purposes hip-hop, of the R. What I'm sorry, no. I'm going to use inverted commas. Hip hop. Not a lot of hip hop. Not a lot of um, you know other genres. But by the time you get to the '90s, I think we're going to find we're going to see some hard rock, quote yes. unquote, <laughs> some pop songs, yeah. hip hop, dance songs. So I think the '90s, it's in terms of the varied. songs that that reached number one, a lot more variation, but. Um, yeah, but certainly still some of those 80s vibes going on to the early 90s. So, Tom, um, kicking, kicking it off, the first six weeks of the year was just Beach Boys Kokomo. Oh, People God. just wanted another, you know, eight weeks of number <laughs> another one. Month they wanted, they wanted another month Yeah, basically two more months Kokomo. of this. Um, and as we said last week, look, Kokomo, it is a great place to get away from it all, um, presuming that while you're away from it all, you also want to attend a Klan rally. Because this was basically <laughs> the real Kokomo place is just for that. white supremacists. Um, and the Beach Boys, I'm declaring them a white power band. Well, you um, cancelled them, I believe. I did cancel That's them last the week. I had a look on Discogs. You can still you can still Discogs. buy and sell Beach Boys albums on there, but they're clearly a white power band. Deal with that. Discogs, jump mm-hmm. on. Um, yeah, not happy with that. It's pretty crazy, but still. But then again, Kokomo in the song is not a real place. So no. I assume they weren't aware of the actual Kokomo. Yeah, it's kind of even dumber though, really. But yeah. Yeah. As you said, as we said last week, it's just 
it sounds like an old rich guy trying to pick up a young girl out of his league by mm. listing off a bunch of fucking places where white people go on holidays to the consternation of the black people who actually live there. And then the actual one that they focus on is not even a real place. Oh, like, exactly. You know, could have picked any of the places you named that rhyme with each other, but instead we just got... Could have yeah. just called the song Aruba and it probably would have worked. Exactly. Yeah. Or Jamaica. Or Jamaica. Or, any... so, or anything. It's also Kokomo. Featured... It's got three syllables. Was that the key? Mm. Kokomo. I guess but it rhymes with Aruba. Has got, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like I'm not sure. I don't know what was going through the Beach Boys' minds at the time they wrote this song, but... Um... It was also huge because it featured in first song of the year, first movie song of the year. This was in Cocktail. Absolutely. On the Cocktail soundtrack, which was a huge movie, which, looking back, is fucking bizarre because it's terrible. Yeah. But, you know. Absolutely. But people love, um, still love cocktails to this day, I think. So is that, is that off yes. the back of the film or is it just the fact that people like <laughs> oh, rather alcoholic That's drinks. the only explanation, I think, why Melbourne hipsters these days... <laughs> Oh, absolutely. When you're paying $20 for something that has two standard drinks in it, you could just go and buy one of those giant bottles of that weird um, ginger beer or whatever that comes in a 1.25 plastic litre bottle. Two Is it standard two? drinks. you got to tell me this place you're going to where you're getting double the <laughs> two, value two that I normally get. It's, it's also not drink. 20 bucks. This shows you that you haven't got it. It's got Sorry. plus much. It's 25 $25. <laughs> $25 for a Moscow mule. He's going, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This has only got two ingredients in it. I could have, I could make this at home for about $3. What has definitely gone out of fashion since the six weeks the Beach Boys were ruling the roost here is the cocktail with the disgusting sounding uh, sex, sexual innuendo name, which was about two thirds of them. Even when I was growing up, that was still like that. When we first started going out, half the cocktails had the word sex in them. Yep. Long, slow, comfortable route against a fridge was one of them, you know. Yep. Or even the ones that weren't directly rude sounded vaguely disgusting. There's actually a terrible poem that Tom Cruise supposedly spontaneously reels off in the film <laughs> to show his, you know, his growing sophistication as a New York bartender, which is just basically a list of disgusting sounding drink names Good. that he's essentially threatening to serve people. Does <laughs> cocksucking cowboy get a mention, Tom? <laughs> that I would have that classed a... it up a bit, frankly. <laughs> the alliteration alone would have made the poem better. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, um, maybe that's enough about... Uh, is, um, I don't, is a cocksucking cowboy some sort of Baileys and caramel liqueur type yeah, mix? Yeah, it's one of those what we used to call, what they used to call a shooter, oh, yeah. which is just... It doesn't even have mixer in it. It's just like three... Three spirits. Three shots. Yep. Of, and they're usually the gloopy kind. They used to give it to you in a test tube so you could oh, see good. the... The different... The yeah. layering. Like oil and know. water, they don't mix. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, um, but, how, you know, fortunately they mix really well in your stomach. It's yeah, great. It has no effect on you at all. How many Maduri illusions did Tom Cruise <laughs> mix up in Cocktail? Do we know that? Or was it sort of... Was that not what was hot in the scene at the time? Because it's is, a film about yeah. cocktails, but they don't really talk a lot about the cocktails that they're making, do no, they? No, they do. That's they what do. I mean. Like, I forgot how much time they actually do spend do They talk about the ingredients so you can follow along at home and go, oh, yes, I would like to make that old-fashioned. <laughs> <laughs> it's got two things in it. <laughs> I've still got some of these books from this era. Yep. Uh, like just old reprints of cocktail books at home that I would hang on to just for teenage parties. And they have such 80s delights in them as your fuzzy navel, your fucking long, slow route yep. against the ceiling, whatever. 
or my personal favourite, the Flaming Lamborghini. The Flaming which, Lamborghini. If you want to look it up, it's got to be one of the most 80s. It might be the most 80s <laughs> cocktail. It's got a fucking sports car in the title, yeah. A. It's half blue Curacao. Good. B. The other half's fucking black Sambuca. <laughs> C. It involves setting it on fire nice. in a way that's literally quite dangerous. You can actually easily if go on YouTube and watch people setting themselves on fire with cocktails. That's There's good. whole compilations of it. And it's just overpriced and not very nice. So, like, I'm saying, I'm, I'm calling it, I'm saying that's the Asian <laughs> cocktail in the world. Google it if you're interested. So you people are on. almost setting themselves on fire. It sounds like the perfect cocktail for a gender reveal party, Tom, because it's got that, <laughs> that sort of requisite level of danger well, where you might Blue die. Curacao, so uh, this is for, for boys. boys. Yeah, if exactly. it's a girl, you have to give them an extremely a Manhattan hot, or long, martini slow no. route on a beach. <laughs> Absolutely. Has anyone bought a bottle of Black Sambuca since 1997? Is that the last time one's... If I went to Dan Murphy's, could I acquire one, do you think? Or is they hard to come across these days? It's going to sound like I'm making this up now. But I was in Dan Murphy's the second last time I was in there, in the middle of the day, and there was a sort of student, uni student age guy, and he was pushing a car, and I shit you not, the only thing in the car was... Blue Curacao bottles. Oh, nice. He had it was he had clearly just taken back, everything yep. off the shelf. Well, they were all covered in dust because they sell <laughs> about one a month. Yeah, absolutely. just exclusively to sixteen-year-old girls who want to make fruit tingles and have got a fake ID. Yep. And he was like, he went up to the other till and he said, "Do you have any more Blue Curacao?" And she like, was like, oh, "I can check out the back, mate. <laughs> it's like that's our whole year's supply." <laughs> and he asked, she asked him what it was for. And I think he said it was for a Smurf party. Okay. That was, yeah. Good. It's like, that. that's probably the only logical explanation I can think Absolutely. of. Absolutely. <laughs> was, uh, was it the Dan Murphy's, uh, which one was this? Which specific uh, this one? This was the Preston, um, okay. the Bell Street. Yep. <laughs> yep. Okay, it's, it's all falling into place. That's why I understand that. <laughs> Certainly. Um, yeah, that's good. Good people are still buying it because um, it's uh, yeah, it doesn't get the play that it once did. Yeah, no, but you're so. right. I think Black Sambuca, like it's it's gone the way of the extremely slow route with the distant cousin up against a wall yeah. in the back of the bar, put through a blender with twelve shots of Bailey's in it. I don't cocktail. think I've I don't think I've drunk it since about 1997. That's why I'm asking. So when I was an <laughs> underage youngster <laughs> so <laughs> I would you, a fun night that you could have would be to go to a one of Melbourne's hipster fancy ass dry ice weight staff with fucking leather apron on and handlebar moustache ones and just have a competition to dare each other to ask for the grossest sounding cocktails yeah or sex on the beach or can I have an oral sex oh, but you the, the catch is you have to be able to show on your phone that this is a real cocktail yeah exactly like to say yep <laughs> Oh, for sure. Absolutely. You can't just make things up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you can't just go in there and say anything. It wouldn't okay, make no sorry. sense. No, I've just been fine. wanking on about cocktails for 10 minutes now. That's fine. Look, this is how we get this cutting-edge editing going. That's how we, get, how, that's how we get eight songs and span them out over 12 hours, Tom. But um, <laughs> also, look, it's on It's on point, though, because it a cocktail is a drink that was served in the film Cocktail, which did feature the song Kokomo by the Beach Boys, so it all falls sure. into place. Uh, makes sense. Um, so moving on, 13th of Feb, it took a long time to get a new song for the year, but it was The Proclaimers, I'm going to be bracket, 500 miles end bracket. Oh, that was a big hit. 
That was a huge hit. Very big hit. Um, Some might say disproportionate. <laughs> a disproportionately large hit to the quality of the song, Tom, certainly. Look, this song, it's about walking 500 miles and then 500 more to arrive mm. on someone's door. Now, that's 1,600 kilometres to walk to see a woman. No one would fucking do that. That's insane. That's, fr- that's basically walking from here to Brisbane for a chick. I had a look on Google Maps and it said it would take 326 hours. You know, fuck that. Maybe for one of the bangles? I don't know. Maybe would you do it for one of the bangles? Susanna Hoff's possibly. Susanna Hoff, exactly. Like, seriously. That's like 300... I mean, god damn, that's... that's, It just sounds good in a song. Yeah, it does. It does, and Could it's obviously four hundred or a hundred. Yeah, but, you know. Look, it's written specifically for a song because you know the Proclaimers were from Scotland, and I've had a look um, on Google Maps uh, as well as just taking my own measurements um, <laughs> when I was in Scotland, Tom. And it's it's three hundred miles long from top to bottom. The Scotland's three hundred miles long, Scotland, yeah. and it's one hundred and fifty miles wide. So I don't think there's any one part of Scotland. <laughs> That is a thousand miles from another part of Scotland. So it sort of seems a bit like a dude just going, Yeah, Sharon, I'd fucking walk a thousand miles for you, babe, knowing that you'd never, never in reality, actually, actually have to do that mm. because, you know, you'd live 700 meters apart and you can just sort of walk there in three minutes. So I'd walk a thousand miles. She's like, Oh, would you? That's, oh, that's, oh, great. And then it's just like going, Well, what about. Okay, <laughs> what happens then if you say that knowing it's not going to happen? She's saying, well, I'm going to fly to fucking Ljubljana and then you're going to have to walk there from, you know, Edinburgh. It's just mm. like, shit, she's called me on this one. <laughs> i got to walk through the Channel Tunnel and then just walk all the way across Europe. No one's going to do that, are they? No. It's complete bullshit. No, the Proclaimers frankly. are full of shit. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, it, I guess it sounds better than I would do eight laps of Scotland for you. That's true. That's but, true. But still, like, yeah. I mean, it once again, it reminds me of that uh, fucking Flight of the Concord song where Brett tells Jermaine that he should dial back the metaphors in his song <laughs> and actually do a song that uses things that actually apply to something you would actually do for a person instead oh. of I would climb the highest mountain for you and so forth. But, yeah, <laughs> Absolutely right. Look, I've got a question for you. Yeah, I, I clearly remember this, but my friend Ben King in yep. grade uh, seven, I think this would have been, told us in his backyard really confidently once, he took us aside and he told us, that, you know, the Proclaimers were going to be the new Beatles. I distinctly <laughs> remember him using that exact term. And he said it in this very adult way for a 13-year-old. Yeah. It, it, was, it was delivered the way you might deliver the news to someone that they should get on the ground floor if they were thinking of investing yes. in Tesla shares, <laughs> you know. And, Definitely. yeah, I was just wondering, like, looking back, you know, from twenty, from 31 years in the future, how would you rate that statement, do you think? How close do you think they got to... Pretty close. Um, yeah, I mean... Would the, you say that they got within a thousand miles? <laughs> I would say that. I would say that. If each mile represented a hit song, then they certainly got just within a thousand miles, I would suggest. so Because the Beatles had, in the hundreds of popular songs, as evidenced last week when I read out a full hundred, Tom. But, um, yeah, I think... Yeah, that's... Yeah, I mean... It, 
It's easy to laugh at someone in hindsight, though, isn't it? And say they were <laughs> way off the mark. confidence. Hey, but, uh, look, exactly. We've all, we've all made bad picks. Exactly you know? right. But I yeah. remember thinking that both uh, Rage Against the Machine and Eminem were clearly going to be embarrassing one-hit wonders. Yeah. I think largely because one of them was a white rapper and the other one was a white guy with dreadlocks. Yeah. And yeah, I thought, well, neither of these things are viable over any long-term <laughs> situation. <laughs> I think looking at Eminem at the start, it was very easy to look at that and go, this is just Vanilla Ice Part 2 sort of yes. thing. Um, but yeah. obviously it turned He's out named that... named after a form of candy, fuck's sake. Like, you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> For sure, yeah, there's probably a lot of groups that I thought would be one-hit wonders that went on to do great things and vice versa, bands that I thought would do great things. That <laughs> I should probably not. also say that Zach DeLaRoche is not white. I realise that now, but at the time, look, you know. Oh, yeah, exactly right. Exactly. So, look, the, the thing with these guys is that the Proclaimers are kind of what I would consider to be, you know, they're in the one-hit wonder hitting zone in terms of sort of the classic yeah no one knew anything about them they, they have this have, song and then they did have one other song didn't they um Not I'm on my way hit. from yeah. misery to yeah, happiness that today that was a reasonable uh-huh, hit uh-huh, yeah uh-huh, uh-huh. but yep. yeah no I take your point they yep. came from nowhere and then went back swiftly whence they'd come and it's sort of the reason I raise this is because it always makes me think of sort of the, the career trajectory, but also just your personal life. Like sort of, so I imagine the Proclaimers, they're, they're playing in a pub in Edinburgh or, or Glasgow, maybe, you know, 100 people, 200 people there. You know, someone from a record label comes along, they sign a deal, they get a record deal, they record their album, they release it, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, they've got that hit, they've got this big hit, then they've gone from sort of like, you know, they're playing in front of a couple of hundred people to maybe playing in front of thousands of people, you know. Yeah. And then once that happens, you know, what happens? You sort of, you're invited to the best clubs in Edinburgh, you walk along, (laughs) they just let you straight into the door, hello, proclaimers. Go, you know, I've got a, a roped off section for you, hang out up there. Models are coming your way. Maybe you find yourself dating, you know, a member of Banana Rama, you know, something like <laughs> that. And happen. then time goes on. Maybe 12 mm. months later, you don't have another hit. Maybe you show up to the same club. They don't, yeah. you, you have to line up to get in. They're not just letting the you in the door. The record label's always asking, when's the new Sunshine exactly. on Leith? You know, <laughs> They're what happens? That. Instead, you release an album called. Yeah. What is it? Um, it's called Angry Cyclist, Tom, <laughs> and that came out in 2018. But 2018, so a small gap between yeah, uh, Sunshine I, and Leith. I think they had some other ones in there that had no <laughs> hits on them. But I guess sort of, and by 2018, like, you know. At the start of I mean the proclaimers, oh shit, come in for free. Yeah. Have all the drinks you want. Yeah. And then by two thousand eighteen it's like I mean the proclaimers, it's like maybe you're dating someone from a Banana Rama tribute act <laughs> rather than an actual member of Banana Rama. <laughs> maybe you get your fries upsized at KFC if you sort mm. of say, Oh, are you the guy from the Proclaimers? Yeah. You've ordered medium fries, I'll give you a large without any extra no, cost. You've got that terrible choice of do I stand next to my brother in public and then people get to go, Huh, aren't you the Proclaimers? Or do I you have to stand, yourself. enter every room 10 minutes before and after my brother leaves. Absolutely. so that people don't know I'm in the proclaimers. <laughs> For sure. Know, the choice is yours, <laughs> I guess, depending on your mood that day. Do you think, is this, is this, I never have to work again level of hit? Or is this basically, I have to continue to play this song at pubs for eternity sort I of mean, situation? This would be, this era, from about, I would have thought from about 19... 
1985 to about 1995. That was about, the, in human history, that was the prime spot to monetize having one or two good songs. I think so, yeah. Because it was after the era of the 60s and 70s where record companies habitually ripped off, snorted all the money of, True. <laughs> pissed away. Yeah. <laughs> but it was pre the sort of boy band era where they went back to the shafting yeah. all the members of the band by telling them that they spent every million dollars that they earned on limos and publicity and pre the modern digital era where people don't monetize music yeah. just by selling records the way they used to. So if anyone could have turned one and a half hit songs into a career and also because of fucking... <laughs> increasingly embarrassing Generation X nostalgia, the Proclaimers, in all honesty, could play in front of thousands of people again if they wanted to right now. True. It would just that they would be part of a 20-act 80s tribute package and they would only play two songs True. Per play, show. I'm going to be bracket, fire over Mars, M bracket, where people are going to be like, I'm not fucking doing that. <laughs> I've realised the absurdity of this song and sure. then I'm on my way from misery to happiness today. Uh-huh. Or they could conceivably be on a sort of crazy frog style, you know, TV yep. commercial and hideously embarrass themselves off the back of, you know... <laughs> the last gasp of nostalgia, but that might make money for you, you know. Yeah. Like, Under what circumstances would you walk from Melbourne to Brisbane for love? Yeah, well, I was thinking about this. I mean, <laughs> someone, so you've met a girl online, let's assume, and she says, yeah. I'm in Brisbane, and you're like, I'm in Melbourne. <laughs> all public, it's, it's, <laughs> it's coronavirus times, all flights are cancelled. All public transport's cancelled. Mm. Would you say, I'm going to set off on a Birkin Wheels type mission <laughs> to finger someone that I met online? Oh, hey, look, there were times, you know, I don't want to, I can't be the Lone Ranger here. No. Aged 17 when the prospect of, you know, possibly getting to sleep with someone yep. <laughs> would have had me thinking, well, I wasn't doing anything for the next week anyway. I'm on True. a dole. 326 you know, hours, you're going to need a couple of weeks. But I could put, you know, some weeks. cones in a backpack. That's true. You know, I can live off, you know, a $2 charcoal chicken and chips yep. per day. Uh, yeah, maybe I could make it to yep. Sydney if there was some possible boob at the end. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. I think that's fair. I fair mean, assessment. call me classy, but I'm just thinking that was probably the time in my life when I could. Have done oh it. yeah, look. Now um, it would have to be at minimum a charity cancer fun walk, <laughs> and I would have to be the person with cancer. Well, I was just actually <laughs> suggesting Tom that um, maybe we should um, for charity walk to, to Brisbane <laughs> a thousand miles exactly. Oh, if See you do, much... don't call it what I just called it, which is the charity cancer fun walk, because not, I think I'm, that name's no. already been taken. <laughs> I'm sure it has absolutely. And we need and cancer's too played out. We need something a bit lower down the totem pole or something. So I don't know, some sort of weird stomach disorder that like one in a million people have or something something that's like less obvious I think but yeah look I was going to bring up your rollerblading charity earlier but I Blades for AIDS <laughs> sort of I don't know whether it did, I didn't you raise enough money blade. I mean perhaps they could have brought this song back in the 90s with I'm going to rollerblade 500 miles yeah it'd take a lot less time I think so what would it be now I'm going to ride a fucking annoying little electric scooter electric, 500 yeah. miles 
Oh, exactly. At minimum effort, looking like a massive tool. For sure. The weird thing about it is on Google Maps, it'll have on there, you know, you you put in Melbourne to Brisbane, it'll have like driving, public transport, it'll have walking, it'll have cycling, but it doesn't have rollerblading. It doesn't sort of tell you how long that would take. So that's. You have to download an app. (laughs) I think you do. That's something Google to look into, certainly. Um, Possibly the Blades for AIDS app. Yeah, for sure, which is um, a very good charity. <laughs> you know, it's it's all about raising money. You know, it's what's well, a grassroots AIDS charity really that um, didn't really take off, but we can always revive what, that. What was the slogan for that again? Uh, be full blown awesome, I believe, <laughs> um, for sure. So I can imagine the poster already. Absolutely, absolutely. So it's sort of um, it's it's about yeah. I mean, look, just because you have. A disease, it doesn't matter what the disease is, um, Some, you know, you can have AIDS, you can still learn to rollerblade. I think that was all about. So just getting out there and about mm, and um, doing it. So it is, it is what it's about. Okay. So this song, Tom, featured in the 1993 Johnny Depp vehicle, Benny and June. Okay. I've never seen that, but I'm assuming it's every bit as horrifically whimsical as I'm imagining it's it to Whimsical be. is the correct term, absolutely. So, uh, um, I think, such a fan I think of whimsy. Johnny Depp plays like a magician or something like that, or Christ, like someone that's sort of... Um, so it's very... I've never seen it either, but um, <laughs> I watched the music video for this song on YouTube, oh, Okay, and it, and it had a lot of Benny and June cut oh, into it. That... But this song came out in 1989. The film came out in 1993. Oh, so they've done that they've, thing where they've they redone, redo it. They've redone yeah. the video clip. And thank fuck they did because the video is boring as shit with the <laughs> Benny and June stuff in there. But but Johnny Depp's like you know f- flipping a hat around and like making a ball disappear or some bullshit. Oh, okay. You cut that out. The video is even worse. Yep. So it's just two guys that look the same because they're twins. Just going ah oh, would what just playing a guitar. Dog shit. I don't know who came up with it. Terrible. So yeah. Um, which I guess raises my next question. Um, who are the best musical twins of all time? Uh, that would be, to my mind, uh, that would be... Uh, mm, that's cheating. Yeah. <laughs> because I don't think they're actually twins. I'll save them for the end of the... Uh, You'll do some research in the interim? So. Um, no. The musical twins. What are you... What? Who have you got? Um, I've got Wade Morissette and Alanis Morissette. <laughs> you heard of Wade Morissette? Neither had I, Tom, <laughs> until I googled him. But their twin, Alanis well, Morissette, has a twin oh, called Wade okay. Morissette, who's purportedly twin. a musician as well. So um, Wade Morissette um, is up there, and um, probably those cunts from Good Charlotte, I guess. Uh, those two guys, um, whatever their names are, Joel Madden and the other one. I think one's married to. I can't even remember now. <laughs> one of them's married. Oh, Lionel Richie's uh, uh, daughter. Yeah, one of them's married to Lionel Richie's daughter, and one of them used to go out with um, Sophie, Sophie Monk, Monk, I believe. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, those guys suck, but they're probably pretty good musical <laughs> twins. Um, or I was going to say the band Two Inns um, from the second series of Pop Stars, who brought us the seminal Australian band Scandalous. Um, oh. That's a real deep cut of a God reference. <laughs> that's oh, the most that obscure yeah. follow-up to Bardo, wasn't it? It was. There's Bardo, then there was Scandalous in season two of Pop Stars, and one of the rejected uh, oh, people the that failed. the failed people that auditioned were um, were two Swedish twins <laughs> who went on to release a single. They were called they called themselves Two, the number two yep. I N S, 
Two Inns. Mm. Um, looked on Discogs, they had one single, which was a Depeche Mode cover on a compilation CD. <laughs> so went on to big things, those guys. But um, yeah, they're definitely my favourites. So yeah, I'd have to say Wade Morrissey and Alarms, probably sure. off the back of that. All so. the ones I can think of are brother and sister. I think I think Bross was a brother and a brother. Yeah, well, two of them were brothers. Yeah, but sure like brothers were. doesn't count. You no, gotta be, yeah. gotta be twins. Look, plenty of. I'll give. We'll, we'll do some further research and um, <laughs> we'll do a. What just phone in um, or send us an email. Get onto the social media. Let us know your favorite musician twins, and um, we'll shout out on next week's podcast. Oh, are, we, are we still doing figures? Oh yeah, Tom. Um, Three point five million listeners on Spotify. Fucking That's a lot. That's so, a lot of for two hits, but well, I maybe I, they. Are making money from it. Look, they've either got other songs that I don't know about, or this song is just on one of those best of the eighties compilations. Oh, I guarantee it still gets played on classic radio. Exactly, classic rock. Like exactly. it's not out of the. Yeah. And look, there would be people I think that would jump on Spotify and just go, "Oh, yeah. look, I just want to listen to songs from the eighties. I put that on, and then this comes on. It's like, yeah, that's fine. And so yeah, three point five million and a dollar fifty nine on Discogs, which is pretty high. I think maybe, judging from the shittiness of the video and the lack of sort of polish that they had appearance-wise, that maybe this was more of a surprise than it seemed, maybe this song. Oh, yeah. And they didn't print many and they didn't spend much on promotion because they just looked like two dorks with glasses and flat top. Absolutely. Completely agree. So look, that's a hit. Um, good stuff. Uh, well done, the Proclaimers. What, what, yeah, what lyrics you got for me? Uh, here? I, there was just one thing that I thought was interesting. There was a line that I'd always wondered, and it's, uh, you know, he says, "And if I something, you know, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who's something next to you." He says that about twenty different times, yep. different things. And one of them is, "And if I, I couldn't tell what he was saying, but he was saying, if I haver, yeah, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who's havering to you, mm. which is a Scottish term that means like talking bollocks or acting the talk. Oh, okay. So yeah, but other than that, he just sounds clingy as fuck. Like when I go out, you know, when I stay home, etc. I mean, I'm assuming that's why his girlfriend moved a thousand miles away. Because, <laughs> no doubt. Um, I want to get away from this the fucking weirdo. Clingiest tool who kept yeah. following me around every time I moved house. Exactly yeah. right. Exactly. All right. Sorry about that. That's enough. <laughs> what have we got next? Um, look, we're up next time we've got. Um, we're, no, no, we've got Madonna. Um, like a prayer. Uh, another big um, one. That's which is a huge one. Um, I'm getting confused here. Yeah, Madonna like a prayer um, is up next um, because what what's happened, Tom, is um, I've sent you a list during the week of. Uh, remember how I I said that the Aria charts and the Kent is <laughs> they sure. they broke. I've sent you a list. Of the Kent songs, and I've realised my mistake. So it's going to be the same, but there's going to be no, the no, list that you've got. Totally fine. There's an extra one in there we talk about I'll at just the end. Jump I think. So, no. let's, so, so so up next is Madonna, like, like a, a prayer, which um, was huge, huge. And as you said, um, the Catholic imagery in this one is through the fucking roof. Oh yeah, this is where she really, really moved her sort of current attention, getting focus onto the whole Catholic Church annoying period. Like I, re- I remember this video very strongly at the time, and it legitimately seemed a bit shocking. Like especially if you'd had a vaguely religious upbringing, well, mm. like I had. Like she's dressed up as a half naked Madonna. Like yeah. she's dyed her hair black. She's you know she's wearing. She looks a bit like the religious figure, not you know herself. Yep. Jesus is a smoking hot black guy who she clearly wants to fuck, oh, yeah. which is not so. even getting into 
the churches and the crucifixes, all the crucifixes, all the other religious imagery. She gives herself stigmata with a knife. Yep. And this isn't getting into the racist stuff like the allusions to rape, lynching, and the ending, which is her dancing into a field of fucking burning crosses, yep. which yep. I had managed to forget. I remembered her dancing in front of flames. I'd forgotten it was burning crosses just after you've seen the police haul off a black guy for apparently what seems to be raping a white woman, although I'm assuming that he's been set up by yep. this evil white guy who you see for like two seconds at the start of the video. But yeah, I mean, this must have been interesting a choice of imagery. It's like she was like, Do you reckon that Catholic stuff's going to be shocking enough on its own? Like, if I give myself fake stigmata and clearly want to bone Jesus, what if I throw in a lynching instead? Yep. Yeah, I'll just chuck in the KKK just in case that doesn't piss people off enough. <laughs> Absolutely, let's but burn some crosses. It worked, you know, but. Can't argue. Chucked her straight back into the limelight again. Uh, Absolutely. Um, and the statue in the video clip is crying. Do you think that really happened? Or do you reckon that was just some <laughs> digital effects to make the tears come out of the, the statue? The statue of baby Jesus, I think, on the cross. I or did that really happen? It really happened. Okay. I think it was yeah. accidental stigma. That's that's yeah. right place at oh, the right time, I guess. you think they just saw Madonna in church and, and just started a, crying. And just the statue started crying. It's like... <laughs> I was just like, wow, she does have that power. Or is she really going to dance in front of a gospel choir and take credit for that? Absolutely. Look, Tom, I could read out some sex quotes, (laughs) but I think the video clip itself is is pretty out there. Have you got anything choice or have we covered it fairly well? There's no better way to wake up in the morning than with my lover's cock inside (laughs) me. (laughs) Top of the page. Um this is my favourite position because I can lie there pretending I'm sleeping while he slides himself in and out of me. So that's... Um, oh, God. So we've got the list already. We've, she's been cancelled for, what is it, fucking underage people. Yeah. <laughs> Fat shaming, slut shaming. Um, what else was it? And now it's okay if I pretend oh, to be asleep while I'm getting banged. Being so. happy to be date-raped. Date-raped, date yeah, oh, exactly. Also accusing other women... Anyone who has sex with someone less attractive than them as being only in it for the money and saying that people who are in domestic violent relationships are oh, they like it, down too. with it. Yeah. <laughs> they must be getting something out of it. Absolutely. There's, yeah. a, there's a lot of... Look, this is this is a whole... There's a whole page here. I won't read it all because it's, it's... As you'd imagine, it's basically... Um, as you've said, it's... Is it shocking for shock's sake, Tom? Do you think it's sort of? Do you think uh, this is just sort of when, all a bit of? When a, did the sex book come out? Nineteen ninety-one or nineteen yeah. ninety-two. So she's she's pissed off the Catholics. They've yeah. had two years to calm down, and she's yeah. like, "What's next? What's Absolutely. next on the list?" I mean, you see this over and over again in pop music. It's just getting harder and harder to do. Like, yeah. like Marilyn Manson was sort of the last one, you know. Yeah. Like, but yeah, it happens in other genres as well. But just. You know, there's if 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 half of your identity is based on being constantly shoving yourself into the spotlight, then yeah, absolutely, yeah, you've got to sure. keep coming up with new. If you got to you've got to keep trying to one up yourself, you're going to reach a level <laughs> where you can't do it anymore. Probably. I mean, do you think with the sex book, do you reckon she's purely just trying to be shocking, or whether she thinks she's actually being sort of candidly erotic? As well, does she actually think that stuff's hot, or is she just like, what's going to push people with buttons? It's so hard to say because <laughs> um, looking at this through a twenty twenty lens, it's it's completely 
it's not erotic at all. No, um, it certainly so isn't. it's if that was the intention, it's failed on that. And I suppose there's also of, the possibility that she didn't write any of it and some other person just wrote it. Based there's on a very real chance that, that everything I've read out is completely fabricated and none of it's real. Sorry. So yeah, no. <laughs> but I interrupted you in again. in terms of um in terms of the biggest pop star in the world just releasing a book of her naked on every page. Yeah, maybe that was shocking. I mean, this is pre-internet, so it's pre... Oh, totally, yeah. Like, this is sort of... You know, I'm sure these days, you, if, if I wanted to, I could go online and probably type in any celebrity, and there's been, like, you know, a, 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 a Janet Jackson-style yeah. um, Super Bowl nipple slip or something like that. Yeah, I'm sure it, it happens. And if you wanted to see... And, you know, people do the whole... Oh no, my sex tapes leaked sort of <laughs> yes. fake Kim Kardashian style bullshit. But, you know, I think it's sort of, yeah, so maybe back then it was provocative to say, I'm going to release a book that's just me nude on every page when I'm the biggest star in the world. I don't need to, I'm, I'm not doing this for money, clearly. <laughs> I'm doing this for some other reason that I don't know what it is. But, yeah, I don't know. I suppose another question would be, mm. what do you think? would cause more controversy, right? If you wanted to get thrust in the limelight right now, say, yep. you're putting out your new album with Art of Seduction. Yeah. Uh, say you're trying to make it big in America. Yep. Releasing a book of all of you nude having sex with vanilla rice. Yep. Intermixed with your own erotic fanfic. About it's not going to cut it, Tom. Fat shaming. <laughs> or if you did a video where you <laughs> went to a Catholic church and took a dump and then went outside and there were burning crosses everywhere. I'd do the latter. People the getting ladder. lynched. I think the latter one still would have more power than the, the sex book these days. You're 100% right, Tom. I think the sex book has aged terribly, and in terms of controversy, <laughs> it's significantly less controversial now than it was at the time. Um, whereas, whereas, yeah, that video clip, <laughs> yes. which you can still watch on YouTube right now or at any time you want... It's actually dodgier a, than I remember it yeah. being. Well, not dodgy, but it's more it's more offensive than I remember it being. Certainly the cross-burning... Um, it's a lot. It, yeah. Especially for a video that features maybe 30 African-Americans in it. I yeah. wonder, do they know that she was going to do the cross-burning Exactly, part? exactly. <laughs> um... Not yeah, the imagery anyway. it's out there, but um, look, power tour. Um, this is a hit. Another hey, one it works <laughs> once again, like it did the job. Thirteen point five mil on the Spotify. We know there's a lot. Um, oh, yeah. forty six cents for this on Discogs. Pick yourself up a copy. Um, before it gets banned because people realise how controversial it is. But um, yeah. So yeah, look. Um, I'm not a big fan of this song personally, even though it's like a huge hit. Like I think there's there's other songs of Madonna's that I like yeah. a, like more. I know this is like probably one of her go to songs, but um, it's but, not 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 one of my my preferred Madonna's. No, that's fair enough. Yeah, you know, I I actually quite like this one. I like yeah. this period. I thought she wrote this uh, and Express Yourself, which are both on this album. I, I they like were two it. of my like favorite songs. More, yeah. They both have good lyrics. I reckon like. There really isn't much that you can say. Like, the lyrics of this are quite good. Like, about the worst thing I could think of to say about it is that it doesn't feature the kind of, you know, uh, button-pushing bullshit, you know, the ballsiness of the music video. Like, it has vague allusions to religion, but there's nothing particularly... It just sounds like one of... It sounds a little bit like one of those kind of edgy uh, Christian music songs where they go, you know... 
they they show their edginess by not one hundred percent committing to saying that they're specifically talking about God. Yeah. So they might be talking about a boyfriend, you know, instead. But yeah, I mean, it's got lines like, <laughs> "Well, you're playing both sides of the fence." It's like this could be about my boyfriend. It could be <laughs> yeah, about Jesus. It Christ. kind of sounds like what you're doing. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying that compared to the burning crosses, oh, it's a bit weak. Like. But yeah, it's got like, life is a mystery, everyone must stand alone, I hear you call my name, and it feels like home. Yeah. Which is just a pretty good line. Like, it's not, that's not terrible. It's got no. a hint of ambivalence and stuff. Like, yeah, but anyway, I mean, it's no, it's not in the same area as the sex book. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Not at all. It's not, not up all. to the same standard as uh, fat shaming. Uh, look, um, Madonna will feature again several more times. We'll talk about the sex <laughs> sure. book a bit more if we want to in the future. Um, I'm very interested in the end of the sex book when Vanilla Ice shows up because that just seems like the fucking weirdest thing in the world now. And it's it's lightning in a bottle, isn't it? It's sort of effectively... It's a very small it, time when that very, could happen. A small it, window. It couldn't be redone, I don't think. It was just so she captured that sort of perfect <laughs> moment of... I'm making this book. Who am I dating? It's Vanilla Ice, so we get yep. to see that dude in there. If it was made six months earlier or six months later, it would have been some other guy. But yeah, we get to see Vanilla Ice in there. Well, he's got, um, I won't ruin it, but a pretty sick tattoo um, <laughs> revealed on one of the arms. So we'll talk about that. For sure. Maybe in the future. So, so that was five weeks, but it's one of those ones where it's number one for a week, then something else, a bit of back oh, and okay. forth. So just for one week at the moment. So 27th of March, we move on to the fine young cannibals. She drives me crazy. Ah, yes. Um, look, the thing I like about these guys is that they were fine young cannibals. <laughs> they were, you know, they all the young cannibals I meet these days. Um, <laughs> You know, look, they're still eating people, obviously. They're cannibals, but it's in such a millennial way. I feel like that it's sort of, you know, there's something... Oh, I thought you meant they weren't physically hot enough. No, were... no, I didn't mean that, Tom. I mean that they were nice. Oh, these guys okay. were nice yes. young cannibals. They had etiquette. The yeah. cannibals these days... No respect. They're, 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 there's less respect, you know. They sort of, I don't know, so I'm not... Yeah, I don't know what it is. You know, they're young cannibals in the year 2021, but they're not fine young cannibals, mm. that's what I'll say. So... Um, were these guys actual cannibals or is it just a band name? Because I always assume that they were or is that where I'm mistaken? I can only assume that they were, especially as the album from this, which this was taken was called The Raw and the Cooked, yeah. which I, I mean, you know, I'm they clearly that just... raw human flesh and cooked human that's flesh. That's right. So. There couldn't be any possible other <laughs> explanation. No, absolutely. <laughs> um, the, the good thing about The Fine Young Cannibals is obviously, you know, look, this is, this is a big hit. Um, I still remember this well. Um, a lot of falsetto happening in this. Good times. But um, off the Roar and the Cooked album that you talked about, Tom, the other big hit that they had um, was called Good Thing. Yes, I remember that one too. Good Thing, um, which was later adapted and used in a Video <laughs> City commercial um, in Tasmania for about a thousand years, um, where the actual song is like Good Thing, um, and then there's where a bit have of you gone? Where Have You Gone? And there's a clap, but in the Video City, it's like good times, Wait, not okay. far to go. Oh, okay. Video City. So they ripped this off. I really hope that the Fine Young Cannibals were adequately compensated for this because I'm sure they were. this ad was played 
every five minutes for about 25 years. So I think they were still playing it after the, the shop shut didn't down. Anymore the shop anymore and VHS had been, the manufacturer had ceased. Yeah, Video City, um, according to YouTube, um, I found a comment <laughs> that the last day of trading was the 11th of August 2019, which seems insane to me. Possibly which, be true. which seems <laughs> a video shop in Launceston shut down less than two years ago. I suppose um, it's possible it was in Ravenswood and they hadn't figured out that DVDs yeah, were a thing yet. Absolutely, but f- I mean, yeah, the, the royalties, if they received one cent for every time that ad had been played, <laughs> they would be, they'd, they'd, all members of the band would have like 25 yachts each because fucking hell, they play that into the ground. So if you don't know what we're talking did. about, it's just a video, it's like Blockbuster, it's just a video shop, except just regional to Tasmania. Yeah. And they had a heap of shit ads over mm, the years. Very so. high budget. Absolutely. Um, do you think, is Raw and the Cooked, do you think that's a good name for an album? I actually do. So do I. At the time, I just thought it was kind of a dumb name yep. that was, you know, that was connected to their to their um, band title, which is always a slightly dubious thing to do if you're in a band. Yeah. Because it, it sort of, it sounds a bit, uh, you know, a bit novelty-ish. Yeah. But it has, you know, now as an adult, I realise it has all sorts of other illusions that yeah. you can attach to that name. And it was a huge album too. That sold 3 million copies. Yep. Good Thing and She Drives Me Crazy were both not just number ones here, but they were US number ones mm. as well. Four of the songs on it were used in movies. Okay. Uh, the movies Something Wild and Tin Men, which I don't know, but yeah, man, I, I kind of like this song. Like yep. it's just, it's weird, but it's sort of... It's it, a bit different to some of the other stuff yeah, that we we're hearing at the time. It's so like, stripped like, back that it's almost like dance music kind of thing. Yeah. But there's which, a lot of clever effects happening on like the sort of staccato guitar noises and stuff. They're kind of laid. It was recorded at Paisley Park, oh, which was Prince's really? place. So they had good producers working on this shit. And so I think it holds up better than a lot of stuff on here, yep. which is to say a little bit like Prince's stuff. It's not not dated, but it's also not just completely boringly of its time. Yeah. Like it doesn't just sound like half the other shit on here. Like, it, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's interesting. It's interesting you mentioned dance music because um, two of the guys in uh, The Fine Young Cannibals between their first and second album um, released an instrumental house single. Oh, okay. Um, under the title, they the, their group name was actually called Two Men, A Drum Machine, and A Trumpet, <laughs> which is what they called themselves. Well, this would and have the been the was... very start of house music, yeah. like the late 80s sort of, of acid house, like yeah. the very beginning. So that came out in 87, and I listened to that song, and um, it's, <laughs> the title's apt. It is, it's definitely two guys, there's definitely a drum machine, there's definitely a trumpet. Um, and yeah, look, it was, it you, was good. You it could was say the same thing about Here's Johnny, uh, which <laughs> yeah, came out will. five years later. <laughs> I will. It had no excuse. No. No, exactly, but um, so yeah, so obviously they sort of dabbled in in electronic and dance yes. music as well. So yeah, um, yeah. So no, look, I enjoy this one. The one thing that does piss me off about this is they they did that thing that one hit. Not that these guys are a one hit wonder; they've had two hit wonders, but they did that thing where bands with limited numbers of hits had where they released um, "She Drives Me Crazy" ninety seven. In 1997, oh, okay. that thing where a band will, will like re-record or slightly yeah. change the song and then re-release it as "She Drives Me Crazy" '97, trying to get the song back into the charts. There's so. more than one song on here that has done that oh, same good. shit as oh, nice. well. If you look at Wikipedia, that's not an uncommon thing. Yeah, 
I mean, and that's not counting the friggin' trance remixes of stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, the video clip, did you watch the video clip for this one? Mm. Yeah. I remember it from the time, quite yeah. clearly. It's sort of half shitty street performers fucking around and half, you know, a little bit of band stuff, but mostly about at least half of it is just close-ups of his face. But it's a kind of weirdly appealing face, and I figured out why that might be. Like, it's kind of subtle, but when you're singing... Sometimes you can see that he clearly used to have a hair lip, oh, you know, and they fixed yeah. it when he was young. So what it's given him is this little point in the middle of his lip, which gives him this kind of cheeky elf, elfin sort of look. He yeah. got, it gives him a kind of little fantasy elf lip thing. I know that's not a very good way of explaining it, but like... Was he ever me, cast in an, as an elf in like a fantasy <laughs> no, film? No, but he was an actor. Oh, At the same okay. time as this, he was in some of those films that I mentioned that uh-huh, the songs were okay. in. Like he was simultaneously working as an actor and doing this stuff as well. And you know, it's Britain. Like yep. everyone's on fucking EastEnders apparently, exactly. seemingly from looking at MTV. Yep. One thing that I remember from the video clip, and I, I did watch it recently, is that the guitarist um, at the very start strums a guitar and it just bursts into flame. <laughs> is that the sort of guitar that you want as a musician? Um, or is anyone really? It seems like a, is that mm. is that guitar broken? Is that a, a new type of guitar, Tom? What's going on with that? I don't really know. But it's sort of I just went. That seems that seems especially for a professional musician. You walk up on stage, open chord, you know, first note of the song just bursts into flames. It's like fucking hell. Your hands would be burnt. I don't know, you wouldn't be able to perform anymore. It seems completely bizarre. But perhaps you'd just busted off some, you know. Four-minute Ingwie Malmsteen face-melting face type song. Solo. That was the last note. That's true. And then That's they were true. like, oh, sorry, we can't fit this four-minute fucking yeah. solo in, but what, how about if we just go with that one? Absolutely right. <laughs> just to Absolutely. prove that it happened. You know? There's also a lot of weird shit happening in this video clip. There's a lot of crazy outfits worn by other people yeah. doing bizarre dance it, it moves. It looks so. like there's weird street performer dudes. Yeah, as you mentioned. Yeah. People and, yeah, Exactly. So it certainly stands out. And look, as a man that loves street performers, Tom, <laughs> I love this music video. It's, it's, it's pro, you know, one of my primary sort of um, sources of entertainment is watching people. I love those people that pretend to be statues and don't move for ages <laughs> um, because I have oh, a brain injury. So I don't... That's, I know yeah. you're a big fan of people playing the spoons extremely badly. Oh, absolutely. I love people playing the spoons. Definitely. Subtle of musical <laughs> For sure. As I mentioned the other day, Tom, I did see someone playing the spoons to, um, <laughs> I think it was Live Aid, that Live Aid song, and just went, that's what it needed all along. Some guy playing the spoons while um, Bono just sort of <laughs> preached about, you know, fucking helping out people in Africa. Good times. Um, so, yeah, any lyrical highlights for this? Yeah, let me ask you a question. Yeah. All right. Yep. Chorus-wise, yep. it repeats this a fair bit. He does have an odd voice. I'll give him this, possibly because of his weird little lip. And thing. I think it's all. And there's a lot of falsetto or yeah, sort of, yeah. It's kind of. He's got a strange delivery, and there's effects maybe on it, like yeah, vibrato yeah. or something, or maybe that's just his voice. After he says she drives me crazy, what's the next line? That's, that's a very good question. I thought it was something. She drives me. She drives me crazy. And I need help, or I want help, or something like that. Is I that always like... thought it was long white hair. Long white for hair. For some reason. I thought it had help in it. Like... We're both wrong. Okay. He's saying, like no one else. Like no one else. Which, okay. when you actually listen to it, it, it does not really sound like that's what he's saying. Yeah, okay. Like, Interesting. He, if, he, if he says an L or a K in there, I 
certainly can't hear it. No, but no. hey, he wrote the hit song and I didn't, so what do I know? Absolutely. Other Absolutely. than that, yep. it's a fairly depressing song. Okay. Um, he's talking about, you know, as the name would suggest, obsessively being attracted to someone. Yeah. But it's not the good kind of obsessive stuff. It's, uh, yeah, it's driving crazy like no one else. I can't get any rest. People say I'm obsessed. Everything you say is lies, but to me there's no surprise. What I had for you was true. Things go wrong, they always do. Mm. And the whole rest of the song is like that. It's not just, you know, you're super hot. It's that you're super hot. It's never going to work. Everything always goes bad. So Does it sound like... Gloomier than it would sound from listening to its jangly... Sounds like the kind of guy that would be throwing paper airplanes into a canal (laughs) and then, you know, standing outside someone's bedroom as they go to sleep and trying to break into the house. Following a student around the university staring at her through windows. Following a blind student around. (laughs) So sort of stalking them. Yeah, it's it's um interesting. Okay, uh, that's a bit more depressing than I thought. Yeah. How are they doing? Um, did we do that? Two mil on Spotify, oh, yeah. which that's is pretty bad. good. Seeing Still, that because they that were more than the Proclaimers. Um. Oh, Proclaimers were three point five. See, mil. that's but the Proclaimers good. are still a going concern. Whereas, um, according to Wikipedia, um. After this album came out, I think the, these guys, Finding Candles, broke up pretty soon oh, afterwards. So they okay. seemed to only be together sure. from sort of like, um, you know, sort of yes. mid 80s to like maybe 1990 or 91. So they sort of seemed to have like a bit of a five year run, two albums, down. and then out. So yeah. yeah. So whereas the Proclaimers, I think, are probably still pumping um, out Rolling hits in to this millennial <laughs> fans. Um, yeah, for Gen such Z seminal Z albums as Angry Cyclist. Um, <laughs> seven cents for this. They must have made a heap. Um, I guess so. <laughs> I bought one of these, Tom, at, a, at Cunningham's yeah. in uh, Mowbray, Launceston. <laughs> On vinyl. Um, on vinyl, on 7-inch single. I think I paid 50 cents for it, so oh, I was ripped off. Scary. Yeah, That was several years ago uh, <laughs> now at this point. Probably uh, 20 years close to, I think, now. When they had that weird section that they... <laughs> I remember. <laughs> they had, like, exercise bikes and, like, old sporting equipment and other bullshit. 400 copies of both What's the Story, Morning Glory, and the Presidents of the USA self-titled album. Absolutely I right. I can't imagine why, but, you know, I assume it was just a coincidence that they just had... You could... I think you could actually build a small house um, mm. just out of copies of Ugly Kid Joe's America's Least Wanted, if you so desired. That's they had right. so many of that. If you didn't mind it being the rattliest house <laughs> ever could <laughs> Absolutely right. Is that a, is that wise to build a house out of old CD cases? Um, if you like falling asleep to the gentle susurration of fifty million tiny unfindable pieces of plastic rattling around yeah. in something, and being able to walk in and out of the house by just pushing any part of the house open <laughs> for sure, at any point, that'd be pretty that's good. That's the plus. Everything's a door, I guess, mm. when it's built out of CDs. But yeah. you might think it's transparent, but it isn't actually because every single part of it is covered with scratch marks and those unremovable yeah. reflective uh, shoplifting stickers Definitely. that you could never quite ever get off the cover. <laughs> that's right. Reminds me, I think it's probably like an episode of Grand Designs where some hippies <laughs> move to France and decide to build a house out of recycled bottles or something like that and ends up being totally dog shit. I think it's probably like that. So mm. just buying a block of land in Waverley and building it out of um, America's Least Wanted <laughs> CDs. I don't know that's whether right. it's going to stand the test of time. Um, yeah, that's probably a bit regional for listeners <laughs> outside of a lot of places. At least chronologically, so. if nothing else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, let's hit up um, the next one. So that was for one week, and then we had Madonna back again for uh, a week yeah. with like I'm a prayer. Jostling for the top spot. Fine Young Cannibal's back for a week. She drives me crazy. 
Madonna back for another week like a prayer. People don't talk a lot about this Fine Young Cannibals <laughs> Madonna battle of 89. And no. I know we say that every time. <laughs> things, but people it's don't talk funny. a lot about that. Yeah, it's still, absolutely. So 8th of May, we get a new song. It's Mike plus the mechanics, The Living Years. Ah, yes. Yes. Um, what now, would you call this? Would you call this a ballad? Well, I Not listen- a love ballad. No, look. Listening to this very recently, um, earlier today, I was suggesting, I was going to ask you this, the question, Tom, is this a power ballad or just a ballad? Because there's not a lot of power in it. No, even calling in a ballad, I mean, I think, I think when a lot of people think of ballads, they're thinking exclusively of love songs. Yeah, that's true. Romantic love songs. But if you expand that to include familial love, then I would... I think I would just call this a ballad by yeah. 80s standards. It's yeah. com- compared to, you know, oh, it's soft extreme as fuck. more than <laughs> It's soft as hell. Yeah. But um, yeah, there's, there's not a lot of power in it. But yeah, I think it's it's definitely ballady. Um, but as not you mentioned. Extreme more than words. Sorry, who am I thinking? No, you are. You are thinking yeah. of extreme more than words. The ones that go completely. Or Mr. Big to be with you. I don't yeah. know. But, um, but yeah, like, because the song, I guess the lyrics are sort of about, sounds like it's about. Um, a father and a son and 100% and the father's I think passed away and the son hasn't had the opportunity to sort of talk to his dad you know about you know maybe some issues that they had or you know just to tell him you know how he felt about it etc so it's that's that's what it's about but um did the, the thing is though I don't think Mike um or the mechanics um did they try to get a medium to talk to the dad from beyond the grave? Because <laughs> he could have rectified all of those issues by just contacting someone saying, look, I'm going to write this song about, you know, my dad passed away, I didn't get to tell him these things. And it's like, well, don't write the song. Hmm. Just, I can, you, we, we'll get the Ouija board out, we can have a chat through well, that, through that This is meeting. only one year since Ronald Reagan was Prime Minister, yep. President of America, sorry. Yep. And uh, he was commonly known to regularly use uh, via his wife, who was doing half of the decision-making, at least. <laughs> Nancy. Uh, yes, a meet spirit mediums, tarot card readers and all sorts of Good. you know stuff. So, you know, if you're allowed to use that to decide, you know, Cold War nuclear strategy, then I Definitely. don't see why Mike plus the mechanics. Perhaps that perhaps he couldn't get in touch with his dad, but the medium was able to contact her spirit guide, who was able to look in the future and say, "Hey, start using a plus sign instead of an and <laughs> exactly. in your words, because in the nineties that shit's going to be off the chain. It's going to be huge, exactly. Because so. as we learnt with Huey Lewis and the news, etc., they use the um, they just see the right and or they use um, an ampersand well the ampersand was the plus sign of the 80s yeah then yeah. Mike just went I'm, we're just doing mice plus, yeah. plus, plus the mechanics so and he got cut, cut, the lo- cut the grass of CNC Music Factory oh, Baz Luhrmann's yeah. Romeo plus Juliet absolutely you know, it was right absolutely. in there look the, the thing I find interesting about this is the lyrics towards the end of the song suggest that maybe his dead father's been reincarnated as his newborn son which adds a bit of a wacky twist. I forgot about so that part. It's sort of like, yes, my dad's does. dead and then I've, my son's just been born and I look at him and I can see your eyes. So is that a bit of a case that um, <laughs> maybe the son is the reincarnated dead father I mean, it and he's hoping that he doesn't, as a dad now, make the, make same, the same mistakes yeah. as his father did? It also has the potentially hopeful, not hopeful line, but the quite... 
you know, not stupid line, uh, every generation blames the one before, which kind of says that, you know, like, he's expanding this beyond merely just, I wish I'd said more stuff to my dad and he died, which you could write, you could write a sort of sad, brutal, pose, Tom Waits song about, you know, my dad died, he was an alcoholic and I never got to tell him stuff. He's he's got the sort of, you know, the, the sad porn out of that, idea but he's also expanded it to be a bit larger sort of without going the full crazy off the wall john farnham age of reason style thing where you expand the idea to the point where it doesn't really relate to anything in particular it does sound like he's genuinely talking about his dad but as you say he also expands it to mean this is a general human problem that we need to stop doing and that bit at the end makes you feel like yeah as you say maybe each subsequent generation won't, you know... Each generation blames be the one before. Bit yeah. less, oh, but the, but the new generation will possibly be less likely to make this same mistake. Yeah, but they'll I probably mean, blame us as well. If you so. wanted to be super woke, you could argue that this is a bit about toxic masculinity, even, and it's about the value of teaching emotional intelligence to men so that they actually talk to each other while they're fucking alive oh, no and doubt don't that, spend yeah. half their life wishing that they'd said shit to their own dad which has become which was such a cliche when i was young as yeah. generation x that it was a basically an ongoing sitcom joke yeah. was just about how no one can talk to their own dad yeah. like about anything like you know it's a bit sad that that was such a big joke that you know whole shows were based around it Oh, absolutely. Look, Mike Mike plus the mechanics, though, are 30 years ahead of their time. Um, Is is it more likely that, uh, do you believe the fact that the dad passed away, his son is the reincarnation of the dad? (laughs) Is that more or less likely than the son being the reincarnation of Princess Diana, as we've learned (laughs) Um, recently mm. with Jimmy Barnes's grandchild is... is um, yes, one of the teen leads turned out to be Princess, Princess Diana. Diana. Yeah, apparently, so I don't I know. I think it makes as much sense, literally, but I'm hoping that Mike wasn't actually about to, in the next verse, pound a wooden stake through the heart of his own son, fearing that it was some sort of horrific, <laughs> reborn, necromantic spell had been cast on his son and was now about to speak in the voice of an old man and tell him that he wished he'd taken better care of himself and mm. you know gotten that degree like he told him to there's definitely a film in there not become a fucking musician definitely a film there Tom and I think Mike plus the mechanics could score that and it'd be very emotional yes. um, look Mike um, is from Genesis Mike Rutherford oh, from Genesis. That. Oh, like the original, the yeah. old, yeah. Yeah, so he's from Genesis. Um, and one of the, one Mike plus the mechanics other hit um, is All I Need is a Miracle, All I Need oh, is yeah. You. Forgot about um, that which I think is better than this song, um, just personally, because it's more uplifting. You know, I love that. All sure. I Need is a Miracle. It's great. Um, Perhaps that's the song that came beforehand that yeah. led to his granddad being horrifically reborn into his all son. I need is a miracle <laughs> i.e. my dad dead yeah, dad it was being a, it was a monkey's paw situation you know he prayed for a miracle and then his and father came back to life thereby destroying both his and his son's life you know absolutely it's um look maybe these two songs are joined I think maybe this it's is a sort walking of a dead prequel is what I'm <laughs> absolutely these is two. anyway sorry to no, continue no. so look so you've got Mike from Mike Plus the Mechanics with some hits um Phil Collins is another guy in Genesis. Peter Gabriel. Peter Gabriel. So, um, you know, Genesis had Invisible Touch, which is obviously the best song of the 80s, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, (laughs) She seems to have an invisible touch. 
is it is that some sort of sexual harassment type? Is is this is the invisible touch? Hmm. There's nothing sinister about that, nothing untoward, <laughs> is it, or is it? Sounds a little bit like something you might say in court after uh, a chick I... had accused you of grabbing her hand and putting it on your junk in a movie theater. It in was the dark. an invisible touch. <laughs> That's right, Your Honor. It's an invisible touch. It wasn't a, you know, it's, mm. uh, it's okay. So, yep. Look, I don't know whether Phil Collins has been to court, but if he has, maybe this is where this song was born. But look, I believe he tried to use the defence that they were two hearts living in just one mind. <laughs> she said, no, that was your two balls living in your pants, and I wasn't interested in either of them. Not at all. But, yeah. I bet she wishes it was invisible touch. No actual touching would take place. But look, I'm not accusing Phil Collins of anything here. It's just a song. It's just a bit of fun. Um, sure. But yeah, so anyway, what I, the point I'm trying to get at is that Sorry. Mike Plus the Mechanics, plus yep. Phil Collins, plus Peter Gabriel, plus Genesis, a lot of fucking hits. A lot there. of hits. A lot of hits there. They've done a lot of great work. Um, Genesis, yeah, okay. Phil Collins, just that's his own name, obviously, Peter yep. Gabriel as well. Mike Plus the Mechanics, is that... <laughs> good is that the sickest band name or is that shitty like would you prefer mm-hmm. to be so you're I'm Mike and I'm saying dude you're going to be a back band you're going to be one of the mechanics we've been over this it's or would you prefer to be one of Huey Lewis's in the news it's we have the been business over this. card test it is calling yeah. it. it's what do you want to have you go to the airport you show them your business card it says Mike passport. plus the mechanics no yeah. it just says Mike no it says Steve mechanic and they go oh could you? Do you know anything? My car so will bro, not turn over no. this morning. You've got to go. No, you don't understand. I'm, I'm a member of the just mechanics. come from recording the living years, and he's got to go. What's that? And you've got to go, look. We're trying to cast a spell to bring yeah. this guy's son back to life. Okay, it's very complicated. Exactly. Essentially, I cannot fix your rotor arm. I'm, I'm not sorry. a mechanic. I'm, I'm just not, a member of yeah. the mechanics. But that said, I would much rather have that on my business card than the uh, news. drill Commodore. News uh, or one of the many other yeah. options. <laughs> the only one that's I think sicker than um, Mike Plus Mechanics is Johnny Diesel and the Injectors. Yeah, although if you showed up with that on your passport, the, the airport, that's yeah. going to cause some questions for sure. Steve yeah. brackets injector. They just assume you're trafficking heroin, <laughs> wouldn't they? So yeah, don't fly um, out of South America, otherwise you're going to be locked up and put in jail. Uh, but yeah, look, it's yeah. definitely better than the injectors, yeah, and like sure. I said, I like the plus sign. Props yep. for thinking ahead, Mike plus the mechanics. Definitely. So Mike and the mechanics still got two mil, um, which is pretty good, I think. <laughs> Surprisingly good. Considering really. that um, Mike, this is just this is just a part time job for this dude. This is just a bit of fun. Like yeah. the Genesis is his main, you know, revenue stream. He's just like getting a few mates together, calling oh, yeah. the mechanics. We're going to write a couple of songs. Good time. So. 45 cents, um, that's a pretty sweet deal. Pick that up if you get the chance. <laughs> Spin that on the old record player. Sure. Um, anything else about this one, Tom? Any any uh, other highlights in the lyrical um, world? Or we've talked a bit about the lyrics. Not really, no. Other than what the ones I mentioned, it's pretty much a straightforward... Uh, it's pretty much a straightforward evocation of just wishing you'd talk to your dad more while he was still alive. It's... Yeah, it, what it is basically is a sort of um, late 80s counter to Cats in the Cradle, which is, yeah instead, of the, yeah, instead of the son complaining that he wishes his dad had spent more time with him, it's the son complaining that he wished he'd spent more time with his dad. So, so I'm giving Mike and the Mechanics credit on that too for 
A, the note of hopefulness at the end, which Cats in the Cradle does not have. Mm. Cats in the Cradle has the opposite ending where he just passes the exact thing on to his own son. Now, I'm a, and, now my son's a total also, cunt. Yeah. yeah, and also the... Uh, existential, if you will, uh, responsibility of saying this is my fault at least as much as my dad yeah. that we didn't talk, you know, and yeah, anyway. absolutely. Um, so yeah, look, uh, Mike and the mechanics, just one week for those guys. Um, but yeah, look, I don't know. Listen sure. to this. It got if played you a lot. Got like, played a lot, and you still hear it sometimes too. And I'd say it's like B tier eighties. Oh, B tier eighties. Yep. Um, and and what was the other one? You hear that too. Still, all I need is a miracle. Yeah, that's, that's all still I need pops is up. you. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that song's great. I love that one. Um, video clip features a child choir, and once again, I can't stress enough. I hope they were adequately compensated because I find <laughs> that whenever I see a child choir, I just instantly think, yeah. were they paid appropriately, or was it just like, come on in, here's a fucking carrot, get out of here? This, I don't know. I know it may sound racist or it may not, but I felt exactly the way, same way seeing the entire gospel choir in Madonna's video. Oh, I'm thinking, yeah. You know, I hope they got more than a hot lunch and a pat on the back for basically providing that entire song for her to sing in front of, but yeah. Yeah, you anyway. do have the feeling that it's just sort of like there's a bit of a power indifference and you just think, oh, we're going to be on a Madonna song. Great, I'd love to yeah. do that. It's just like, but mate, you got to get the cash in because... Yeah. I mean, I'll say that for the internet, but it makes it a lot easier to A, check up on people's safety after the event yep. and B, check to see if people were adequately, you know, compensated or at least given credit for their appearance in something. It can, in 20 seconds, you can just go, did Madonna pay that gospel choir? <laughs> Whereas back then, you just had to go, well, fucking, I don't know. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> like, yeah, anyway. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. So, after this was Madonna fucking again. Another oh, week of Like back. a Prayer. Go One on. more of that. Then, 22nd of May, moving on, we've got The Bangles, um, Eternal Flame. Ah, okay. Now, do you like this song? I was curious, because I know you're a big cheap trick, The Flame, but there is a bit of a distance between those two. Oh, look, I like this one, Tom. Um, yeah, look, the, I think for me, um, we've talked about The Bangles before. Um, I know it's a cover, but I'm a big fan of Hazy Shade of Winter. Um, yeah. That one's, that one's pretty great. I know that is, that's not one of their original tracks. Um, but, you know, look, <laughs> no, it's pretty they, good. they turn that into a fun sort of new wave song. Like, yeah. Absolutely. Um, the original is not that much fun, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, look, yeah, I don't mind this one, Tom. Um, look, I guess listening to this song, I assume that, um, look, any, if you've ever been to Hiroshima, you know that there's <laughs> a, the eternal flame is there. Burning, um, yes, and I assume that this song's about that. I mean, it's it's <laughs> it's that the flame was put there after mm. obviously World A War fitting II, tribute. fitting tribute, and that flame in Hiroshima will burn forever until you know the world has rid itself of, of nuclear weapons effectively. Mm. So, I assume that that this song is about you know <laughs> nuclear disarmament. It, it's is that what you take from that, or is it just about one of the bangles getting fingered? I don't know. It's one of the two. I can never tell. I I mean, look. In all seriousness, I don't know. Like, yeah, I won't do a lyrical spotlight for this one because the lyrics are fairly boring. Close your eyes, give me your hand, darling. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff. It's probably like about that. fingering, isn't it? it, I it and it lacks the kind of. I always thought it lacked that sort of hook of the flame by Cheap Trick, which oh, has at least that kind yeah, of catchy absolutely. little bit. Even though, I mean, I keep bringing it up, which sounds a bit simplistic just because they've got the word flame in the title, but they are kind of using the same metaphor, e.g., you know, this love will last 
forever and stuff. But yeah, I mean, and it was written by her and two other guys, but it doesn't really sound like a three three person job. That cheap trick. <laughs> no. I've forgotten the flame by cheap trick. I had that stuck in my head for days after we recorded that. Yeah, so it's a great know, song. Credit yeah. to. So that's the difference between that and this, I would say. But yeah, what what did you think? You're a fan. Yeah, it's all right, Tom. It's um, <laughs> look, there's better bangers material. There's better songs yeah. out there. Um, look, yeah, I th- I liked I liked the the concept of you know ridding the world of um, nuclear weapons, but I'm not sure whether that's what this is about. As we have talked about, that's just something I thought it might have been about. But yeah, look, it just sounds like it's you know, get, you know, do you feel my heart beating? Do you understand? Do you feel the same? Am I dreaming? Yeah, I think it's just about there, yeah, probably boning or something. So there look, is one line when I was 14. Uh, Close your eyes, give me your hand, darling. Do you feel my heart beating? I could only assume that was about that I might get to touch her boob. Yeah, no doubt. you know, um, that was the highlight of the whole song for me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's my second use of the word boob. Yeah, for sure. Well, three now, so, you know, look out for number four. But interestingly, though, so you mentioned this was written by a few people, so members of the Bangles, plus um, Tom Kelly and Billy Steinberg, who also wrote um, Like a Virgin for Madonna. That was one of their other oh, songs yeah. they wrote. Wow. Uh, Alone for Heart and I Touch Myself for the, by the Divinals. Mm, that's a good song. So that's, That stands up surprisingly well. Absolutely. Best, my vote for best song about masturbation. For sure. And this one, obviously, as, we, <laughs> as we've learned. But yeah, so um, it, it's interesting because this song um, came out... So this was number one in 22nd of May, 1989. Yep. And the Bengals announced their breakup on the 22nd of September, 1989. Mm-hmm. So this song was a number one hit in Australia and in the US, and it wasn't long after wow. that that they broke up. Um, so apparently um, the bass player and um, Susan Hoffs, they didn't attend one of the other members of the band's wedding. Wow. Um, yeah, as, as I mentioned... So the I relationship was... Yeah, you did mention this last time. It was time. the drummer was yep. pissed off at them as well. There may have been some rift between there. After like, she was pissed off that in Walk Like an Egyptian, the producers cut her out of the whole fucking exactly. song. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but the band did get back together in 1989 sure. um, to record the song Get the Girl for the movie Austin Powers to the Spy Who Shagged Me. In so, 89? Um, sorry, 98. 98. 98. Okay. To, yeah, <laughs> to record Austin. So they, some, so they got back together for all the right reasons. <laughs> Um, Mike Myers got on the phone and said, hey, look, I've got this film coming out. It's a sequel to the successful Austin Powers. Will you write a song for it? And they went, yep, we're, you know, sure. We didn't, we didn't attend each other's weddings. We hate each other. But for you, Mike, and for this film, we'll get back together. So it's good to see that Mike Myers can, can heal riffs. I think that's what he's always been good with. He's a healer. Um, he interestingly, is. he asked them to record a song for the love guru and they broke up again. So... <laughs> Um, I assume that's what happened. So, yeah, definitely. Um, what's better, Tom? The Bangles version of this or the 2001 version by Atomic Kitten? <laughs> well, given that I'd briefly forgotten that Atomic Kitten ever existed, I'm going to say this one. Um, so, interestingly, um, it was the first time that a song had reached number one in the UK 
by two different uh, all-female acts. Oh, okay. So this is a number one hit for the Bangles in the UK in 89, then once again for Atomic Kitten in 2001. Um, and the Atomic Kitten's version featured in the 2001 film The Parole Officer. I don't know what the fuck that <laughs> I is. I remember that. It's actually quite is funny. It? That's Steve Coogan. Is it? He plays ah, this okay. weird sort of kind of nerdy kind of council worker guy who gets drawn onto this horrible murder gangster murder plot it's actually got some quite funny stuff in it Steve Coogan I'm on board I'll check it out Atomic Kitten were quite big for a while there they had I think one of them is married to uh, Fatboy Slim as well he would play their stuff at his shows and that sort of thing they had a kind of they, they were big. As nice. for, a, for a girl group, they managed to rise above your B asterisk witched type <laughs> level stuff. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, any lyrical highlights or anything else about uh, this one? Not really, but no. there is one thing. Yep. Uh, look, I don't want to have to keep harping on this, but Sarah Hoffs is a complete and utter babe. Mm. She's 57 now and she's still ridiculously hot. She... <laughs> and... You know, just the reason I bring that up is A, I'm a perv, but B, she's told interviewers that she recorded this song in the nude Ooh. because the pro- producer David Segerson told her that Olivia Newton John never used to wear clothes when singing behind closed doors. Now, to me, that mm. asked the first time I read that, I was just like, oh, okay, that's weird. But, you know, in the sort of post Me Too era, it asked a few more questions. A, why would you be using Olivia Newton-John as a model for your singing career? Like, that's, a fair that's question. not the first thing. Like, if someone had said Aretha Franklin sings nude, yep. you know, when she's at home or something like that. Look, <laughs> I love ONJ. Don't get me wrong, but she doesn't have the strongest voice. But also, a bit from the other side, yep. say you're the creepiest producer trying to trick some young vocalist into taking her clothes off. Yep. Why, if you? <laughs> You know, if you're going to do a prank which would nowadays be classed as felony sexual assault, why pick Olivia Newton-John, of all people, you know? Like, yeah, it doesn't make sense from either perspective. It doesn't, yeah, exactly. Unless Olivia Newton-John had some magical, you know, gloss on her in 1989 that the charts clearly are not reflecting. Because I think this was around her sort of, you know, this was well post Greece, right? This is not. You oh know. yeah, Greece came out like fucking a long time before, yeah. after, like at least a decade at this point, surely. So yeah. that was like late seventies. Xanadu's was a while ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But she, but Olivia Newton-John did have uh, "Let's Get Physical," which was a big hit in the eighties. So did. maybe they were sort of drawing on that sort <laughs> of. Uh, but yeah, you drop someone else. I don't know. Anyway, just yeah. that just led me to you know just wonder you know. Yep. If you were recording your new single, The Bone Zone, with Art of Seduction... Oh, this is The Bone Zone, yeah. Uh, which musician would a producer need to believably name drop to you in order to get you to record Drop Trowel, Tackle Out in the studio with the Bane Marie open? Oh, look, it'd have to be Axl Rose, I think. <laughs> um, if they dropped Axl Rose or said Buckethead performs... <laughs> Only with a bucket on his head and nothing else. I'd, I think I'd, do, I'd be like, really? Sure. Okay, Axel was completely in the nude. Just those um, sort Sign of glued on fake dreadlocks <laughs> and that bandana and no clothes. Um, does he have his Axel Rose shoes um, that he, you know, his, his patented Axel oh, Rose shoes on from the 80s? Ponies, from yeah. the Estrange video. Does he or does he not? No, he doesn't. Okay, that's fine. But yeah, pro- I think Axel, yeah. I think okay, I that's that. enough about my tongue tied fascination with uh, nude Susanna Hoffs. Let's move. <laughs> On. Who have we got next? 
Um, so that's 20 cents oh, off sorry. Discogs, 3.8 mil for the Bengals. Good yeah. times. Um, Still, I cannot believe how many, sorry, the Proclaimers mm. have. That's only 300,000 more than the Proclaimers. Obviously, the Proclaimers have some fucking virile Scottish fan base that are still alive, keeping them pumping yep. along. I, th- I mean, pound for pound, the Bengals are way better. Than, mm. uh, and they've got a lot better songs. Yeah, they have like a dozen songs. hits. You know? yep. Anyway, please, That's continue. Fine. That's fine. Look, who knows? Spotify, fickled fans. Um, 29th of May, for two weeks, Bet Midler, The Wind Beneath My Wings. Oh, baby. Now, right. now, this is interesting, Tom. This song's been recorded by about 200 people. So it's definitely a cover. It's, it's not definitely a cover. Okay. Definitely not original. Now, interestingly, the song was purportedly, I say purportedly because I read this on Wikipedia um, yep. and I've not heard the song, but this was purportedly recorded originally by Kamal in 1982 for a country and western album he was recording. Wow. Now, this raises a lot of questions. It One, sure people does. might not know who Kamal is. Um, he's like like a what, a lounge singer or an adult, yeah. like a adult can like. He he's never been someone that I would consider to be cool or for the kids, but he's been around in Australia for. He's for, I think originally from Malaysia. And, okay, I and, always assumed he was Indian. Call yeah. me racist, but no, no, no. He he might well be. So I think he's. I think he may be. Um, he he's from Malaysia, Indian, but he may yeah. well be of um, Indian descent. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's. Pot- Possibly right, um, but yeah. Yes. So he's he's yep. Yeah, so move. I, I think he moved to Australia in the eighties, um, and sort of just like he do probably do covers of like popular songs. And yeah. then he was, um, as I, I learned recently, he was racially vilified on Hey Hey It's Saturday yeah. in the eighties because but, um, it was Australia in the eighties. Yeah, <laughs> and, and people people made fun of people because they weren't white. So it was um, yeah, heady days. But God Almighty, um, yeah. So interestingly, so I've never heard that. But on the Wikipedia page, you know, so hopefully this is factually accurate and someone hasn't made this up. But yeah, so Kamal, a, a Malaysian-Australian uh, singer, did a country and western version of this, apparently. But then obviously it's been recorded by so many people over uh, the years. Roger Whittaker in 83, yep. uh, Sheena Easton, Lee Greenwood, BJ Thomas, Lou Rawls, Gladys Knight and the Pips. Mm. Another bad business card, Pip. Pips, yeah, um, don't want yep. that. But obviously... Um, well, for me, I mean, it sure. depends on, on the era and the generation you were born, but um, this is the version that I know best, <laughs> and that's simply because it was featured um, oh, in the film Beaches. It sure fucking was, wasn't it? And on music videos for years and years and years afterwards. Absolutely. Just repeated, you know, and on the radio, and yeah. Now, is Beaches one of those so- uh, films that um, people still give a fuck about or watch now, or is it was it of its time? I think it's. I mean, it's got a. It's got a. They were making jokes about it in Seinfeld as a kind of weepy, but that would not have been much after this, and no. I don't think it's held up. I think films like ones we've previously mentioned, your your, your dance trilogy, yep. your flash dance, your dirty dancing, your footloose, have a lot more ongoing fandom and sort of cultural you know yep. weight than beaches does now i think beaches was just a bit too melodramatic for it you know and, and cheesy to, to last yeah if you've not seen the film um spoiler alert <laughs> it's basically a, there's a girl there's two young people that meet 
one's like a very eccentric child performer the other one's like a bit sort of yeah she's a real uh, blossom a real boring Brewster. the other ones are boring us and then they civilian. and then they somehow form a friendship and grow up over the years and of course one ends up you know going to broadway and the other one ends up sort of living like a you know Just being a lawyer or something like that yep. so they're very they're different they're chalk and cheese tom <laughs> but they're still friends um and that's basically what the film's about and yes. then i think one of them dies so it's super sad it's basically a cheesy rom-com except instead of a cheesy dude and a cheesy woman. It's yep. two cheesy women who yep. are in love with each other in a platonic question mark way. Uh, yeah, but it was huge. Yeah, like, huge. Um, so Bette Midler sings this song, but she's also the act, the, the lead actress yes, in this Yes, of course. Film. I forgot about that. And she sings in the film too. Like she yep. plays a performer, as you yep. said. Like, yeah. Um, and the, the the person that played the young Bette at the start of the film, mm-hmm. um, Pre before Bette Miller obviously grows up and plays a character, so that the young person has a child in that. Um, so that actress, this is her resume: <laughs> young Bette Miller in Beaches. Yeah. Then she's Blossom. Oh Russo. my god, she was! I thought she just looked like her. And then oh, she's in the fucking Big Bang Theory. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> and purportedly, um, my wife reliably tells me that between Blossom and the Big Bang Theory, she went to university and became like an astrophysicist. Not, but like, not, maybe not that, but like did some like yes, actual proper science degree or something <laughs> when she didn't think acting was going to work. So that's a pretty impressive resume. I mean, I couldn't give a fuck about Beaches, Blossom or the Big Bang Theory, but <laughs> for some people out there, that's a very impressive uh, are, body of work. Yeah, those are three cultural touchstones. They right? absolutely so, are. Yeah. Absolutely right. So it's easy to forget just while we're going over it, but like I sometimes it's like Danny DeVito. Yeah, can forget if you're younger and you or you're older that, or if you're younger, never know in the first place just how big of a mainstream movie star Bette Midler was. In much the same way as Danny DeVito was, they're both these unusual sort of you know not typically attractive you know, people, but very charismatic people. Like, she was in... At around this same time, she was in Ruthless People. Yep. She was in um, that one with Lily Tomlin where they play, t- speaking of twins, two oh, pairs of yeah. twins with movie magic, like... It, it, yep. And <laughs> several other, like, big... She was a big... She was in Seinfeld. She yep. guests in Seinfeld as herself, like, in a, quite a funny series of scenes yeah I mean she was huge at the time yeah and obviously I assume she just probably got to the point and just went yeah I'm just happy to step away because I mean, she was massive she's a giant Broadway star still like yep. she's a she's a big icon I'm not saying that she's not famous I just mean that it might be for younger people it might they might not know how much of a movie a mainstream leading actress she was yep. Even though she doesn't look like Sarah Absolutely. Jessica Parker. Look, some people say this is Bette Midler's finest film, but I'm a big fan of Hocus Pocus. Um, <laughs> obviously, myself, big fan of that one. Um, the reason I'm a fan of that, Tom, is because sure. I'm a big fan of, uh, as you know, Roxette. I, we mentioned I joined the Joyride a long time ago recently. <laughs> and Joy, uh, Roxette wrote a song um, called Almost Unreal. And mm. the, the chorus to that song goes... Um, I love how you do that hocus pocus to me. It's almost <laughs> unreal. They wrote the song for the Bette Midler vehicle hocus pocus. Sure. They gave it to the record label, said, yes. here's the song we've written. You've asked us to write a song for hocus pocus. Mm-hmm. We've written a song for hocus pocus. It says hocus pocus in the chorus. There you go. The record label said, we love this song. We're going to use it for the Super Mario Brothers live action film instead. <laughs> and Roxette said, but it says hocus pocus in the chorus. <laughs> Because it's for the Hocus Pocus film. They went, 
don't worry about it. No one will notice. <laughs> they used it for Super Mario Brothers. Uh, one of the best films of all time, might I add. And um, yeah, people just went, why the fuck are they talking about Hocus Pocus? Why aren't they saying something about, you know, fucking jumping down, you know, a pipe or something like that or whatever the fuck Super Mario Brothers does. Or kids who might be listening to or watching the Super Mario Brothers film going, where's the one that goes... Exactly. When instead they'd be listening to the Divinals, Roxette, Queen, Megadeth, George Clinton, Joe Satriani, and plus, of course, that child favourite, Marky Mark and the Funchy Punky Bunch, who were all the rage of preschool concerts at the time. Absolutely, all singing about Hocus Pocus because mm, they've been just taking the only wearing underpants on stage and such things. Like, yeah. yeah. So, anyway, look, um, as you said, Bet's done a lot of great things. Um, in 2002, um, they did a UK a poll in the UK, yeah. and apparently um, this was found to be the most played song at British funerals. Um, are you stoked on that if you bet Midler? Or are you sort of like... Oh, uh, if you bet Midler. You're sort of thinking like, this is the most played song at funerals. I suppose if you bet Midler, you're just hearing nothing but the sound of cash registers being opened and slammed, closed and rung. But what would you prefer to... Yeah. Sort of, if someone said, your song's the most played at weddings, <laughs> you'd be like, oh, great. You know, yeah. It's a fun event. But most played at funerals is, um, I don't know. So, But that was 2002. So... They did. They redid that poll in 2012, um, and the results were different. They found the most funeral, popular funeral song at that time um, was the Venger Bus. <laughs> so times have changed, Tom. So it's good. People have realised that what you want in the funeral is is some fuck Danish people doing something mm. a bit up uplifting. So as it says in the Bible, Ben, the Venger Bus comes for all of us. <laughs> it does. Say, you know, absolutely so right. Get your shit in order because <laughs> absolutely it's coming. And everybody's running. <laughs> so, you got any more, any lyrical highlights uh, or anything okay. else to, well, to mention well, about this? At the risk of crapping on a bit, this song, I bring it up because it definitely belongs in the category I've mentioned before for uh, when we're talking about That's What Friends Are For mm. and a whole bunch of other ones that weren't in the 80s. E.g. songs about friendship that don't resemble any actual friendship that anyone's ever had, certainly not me. I mean, maybe I'm just emotionally stilted and or not female, but even by the standards of Beaches, which is a bonkers melodrama about two women who are basically married until when one of them dies of cancer, spoilers, uh, this is pretty over the top, even by... I mean, it's not written by Bear, as mentioned, and the guy who wrote it had the name first as a poem for his wife, and he also wrote songs for Jennifer Rush, which should give you some level of what we're working on here. And the kind of the, the level of verisimilitude and subtlety that we're going with, but like the big problem that I've always had with the song, other than the actual song lyrically, is that it contradicts itself and is weirdly vain, passive aggressive, and patronizing. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it must have been cold there in my shadow to never have sunlight on your face. You were content to let me shine, that's your way. You always walked a step behind. So I was the one with all the glory, while you were the one with all the strength. A beautiful face without a name for so long, a beautiful smile to hide the pain. And then the chorus, which is thanking them for helping you be the raddest person alive. Yeah. So really you've got someone treating another person like shit, blocking their sunlight and causing them pain, and then the chorus is just, but cheers for helping me do that, sucker. Exactly. <laughs> if yeah. someone has to tell you in a shit song that you're their hero because all their behaviour leads you to think that they don't give a fuck about you, then I'm saying that person's a cunt. Yeah, definitely. Look, mm. uh, uh, lyrically this is pretty weird. Um, I'm not really feeling it at all. The song is kind of boring as well, let's face it. Oh, yeah. Um, 
But look, I am re-recording it, Tom, as part of the art <laughs> seduction. I am changing it though to the wind beneath my wang, and it's going to be a little bit more I, erotic. So it's going to be a rap sure. in the middle, and it's going to be it's going to be sexier, is what I'm going to say. As long so. as it's less passive aggressive. Oh, way less passive aggressive. So so more like, actually aggressive. Yeah, definitely. More sexually aggressive. Oh, it's it's a never lot of been a better time. For no, that. definitely. Um, Two point three mil for Bet Midler doesn't surprise oh. me. Um, actually, it does, I thought it'd be higher. Actually. Yeah, yeah that's true. true. That's true. Um, 45 cents on Discogs for this. Yeah, seems about right, probably. That's about know. what a VHS copy of Beaches would set you back at. Absolutely right. If you've not seen the film, oh, look, I'm giving it a hard pass. Um, <laughs> honestly, I haven't watched it since I was like I've, 14, it, and that yeah. was, once was enough. I think it was one of those films that my mum probably liked when I was a kid, and we probably watched it a heap of times, but, you know, look, when you... I was between the age of like, like, Eight and like ten, I probably saw it like fifty times. I probably haven't yeah. seen it since then. But if you um, want to watch a dodgy melodrama that's the whole soundtrack is fucking wonky ballads. Watch Titanic because at least a giant boat sinks and occasionally people bang their head on a propeller or something like that. Oh, exactly right, exactly. Um, and and there's a there's a fun like Irish fiddle band I think in that. Yes, that's what I'm saying. This is less fun than a wonky Irish fiddle band. Yeah, yeah. exactly right. All right, so and Leonardo's in there, so it's good, yeah. good for the ladies. Um, so two weeks for that, then um. Another week for the Bengals back again with Eternal oh, yeah. Flame. It's just a, it's just a constant fucking Jostling, war. Yeah. And then Bet's back for a week. Wind beneath my wings again. Mm-hmm. The Bengals are back for, for another week. Yeah. So the, the general public can't decide. They're like, <laughs> what am I buying this week? Ooh, I don't know. It's a tough decision. Is, it, is that the fortnightly pay cycle though, Tom? That it's basically sort of <laughs> Bengals fans... <laughs> They're like, oh, I Think can't all the buy women it get this paid week. One fortnight, exactly. then all the men yeah. get paid the They're next. They're sort of week. like going to go to get. I'm getting paid next fortnight, <laughs> so I'll buy Eternal Flame then, and then the Bet Middler fans, you know. So I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's it. But yeah, seems to be basically just Bet Bangles, Bet Bangles forever, and then um, 26th of June for six weeks is Roxette the Look. Ooh, Boom! Now I know you're a big fan. So I'm a big fan, Tom. A big fan of Roxette. I'm a big fan. Um, look, I, I think uh, when you've got two vocalists, you've got the female vocalist Marie, and you've got the male vocalist Per. You double your chances of success, don't you? Because you sort of write a song and just go, I can't "Does this have? Logic. Does this have a this this has a bit of a male vocal sort of thing? This has a female vocal. You've got both. You've got." You, you know, sure. both at your disposal, you know, so you sort of just look, look into the, uh, you know, the old, you know, the handbag of tools, whatever it is. There's, a, there's, an, there's probably a you metaphor look there. You, you, you look into your handbag full of tools. And you've got at least two tools And you've got two tools. You've got a, One of them's you've got a, a bloke tool. and you've got a One chick. One of them's a chick. So, and that's the thing with Roxette. It didn't matter whether whether you needed a dude or a chick. You had both at your disposal. Um, look, and Roxette, I mean... These guys had a lot of fucking hits. You can't deny that. They did, um, yes. And they're from Sweden, which I think... Um, look, it's a real... It's a hotbed for music. I don't think you can deny that. I mean, um, 10 million people. So, you know, about half... Under half the population of Australia. Mm. Um, but they certainly punch above their weight when you think about it. You've got, you know, Dr. Alban, Eagle Eye Cherry, uh, Rednecks um, <laughs> behind Cotton Eye Joe, obviously. Ace of Bass... Um, Icona Pop, Swedish House Mafia, so many great <laughs> artists there that are household names across the board. Um, 
and um, probably a lot of death metal bands who <laughs> have not mentioned either. But Roxette are probably their finest export, I think. So I believe ABBA had a hit or two oh, as well. Yeah, like, was, that's know, true. But yeah, really, they're about, no Roxette. Forgot about those guys, yep. Yeah. So, um, yeah, look, Tom, I've seen Roxette live. <laughs> I've seen one half of Roxette live um, <laughs> oh, really? at, on a separate occasion. Um, and let's just say that uh, the sum is greater... <laughs> and the, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts sure. is what I'm trying to say yeah so you know half of rock set you know is 10 out of 10 mm-hmm. but rock set together is like 22 out of 20 does that make sense it the does. whole is greater than the sum of those parts I liked how you just proved it mathematically exactly well. yeah. 10 plus 10 equals 22 is the analogy I'm using. So look, the, the best thing about... So this song, um, bit, of, bit of history. So effectively, sure. um, Roxette, they had... This is this is off the album Look Sharp. Um, so they had a, an album previous to this, which was really big in Sweden. Oh, okay. This album as well was released, I think, only in Sweden. Um, you know, they released a few songs off there. Um, Dress for Success, you may remember that yep. one. Going to get dressed for some sex as kids are undressed for some sex. I think sure. kids in the playground would say back in '89, and everyone would laugh. Um, but this song, so the look um, wasn't. What happened was, uh, as an American kid, went to uh, Sweden for, as an exchange student for like the summer. Ah, bought yes. a, bought a copy of this album or something. Went back to America and like demanded that said to the local radio station, "There's yeah. you got to play this song, got to play this song." And the people were like, "What? What's this?" So they played it, and then everyone said, "What? Got to hear that song." And then it sort of grew and grew. And apparently, yeah, Roxette's popularity in America was basically born off the fact that an exchange student had sort of taken it's their cassette tape to there. And then yeah, they had, and subsequent to that, they've had had a lot of hits. So you know that was definitely impressive. And the other thing I like about this song is that purportedly. Um, when they recorded the demo, mm-hmm. the, the vocalist in this one, which is the dude, yep. Per, just said, I've written the song, I've recorded it, I'm just going to say anything just to sort of get the... You know, you record like <laughs> scratch like lyrics like, yeah, to just yep. sort of like see how the timing will fit in and then I'll write some actual lyrics later. And the <laughs> lyrics are like, one, two, three, four, walking like a man, hitting like a hammer, she's a juvenile scam, never was a quitter, tasting like a raindrop, she's got the look. Um, doesn't make any sense. I mean, but that kind of that kind of makes sense. But when you get to verse number two, fiery then... ice, naked to the T-bone, is a lover's disguise, banging on the head drum, shaking like a mad bull. She's got the look. Now you've really in um, but they just went drugs territory. Fuck it, let's just keep it. And no one gave a shit. The general public just went boom, let's do it, and it went to number one. Probably because it's got that bit in the chorus where it just goes. No, 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 People love it, no, 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 exactly. I suspected that perhaps that per way later on of covering his ass for the fact that just those lyrics are just 100% ESL-tastic. That's true, like, you think he's rewritten history a bit there by just going, if people call me out of this, I'm going to be like, They're not that stupid, they're not that much stupider than your average Poison song lyrics, it's just that they don't quite pass... The way it's when you just look at them for more than two seconds that 
Loving is the ocean, kissing <laughs> is the wet sand. Yeah, it makes sense. I'm fine with that. But I mean, some things just don't translate, you know, that well, I guess. For yep. instance, the name of Marie's first solo album was Hot Wind. <laughs> You know, which probably <laughs> sounded better in the original Swedish, I'd, I'm I'd say so. doesn't translate well. But yeah, Pear's claim is that these were just filler words. So, hey, it's a good song, so let's take his word for it. So, the thing that surprised me is that they weren't in Eurovision ever. Wow. You would think that, why, how could Roxette have been around for that long? You this know, you're doing Euro. songs on Super Mario Brothers soundtrack, <laughs> wow. you're doing songs for Hocus Pocus, you've also got some Pretty hits woman. happening, incidentally. <laughs> Pretty Woman. You probably showed up on many other things. Oh, no In doubt. fact, they definitely did. But um, yeah, how did nobody ever go, hey, do you want to be Sweden's entry in the Eurovision? That just. Yeah. Maybe they were too good for it. Maybe oh, they were above were. that shit. They probably were, absolutely, yeah, definitely. Speaking of which, I should say, I did look that up. This yep. has showed up in Films Aside. This has showed up in GTA 4, mm. Glow, Family Guy, Scream Queens, like half a dozen TV commercials. There's an entire reality TV show named after it. Oh, good. And perhaps best of all, it's used in a very easily YouTubeable montage on the long-forgotten TV show Baywatch, Whoa. which is just three minutes of a creepy douchebag staring at Erika Eleniak, star of Under Siege's best scene in Fuck. slow motion. Well, how so. the looks going on? That's red hot. <laughs> yep. You think you just you, you start the video and you're like, all right, this will just be like 20 seconds. You'll come out of the ocean. This guy will walk up to her and then they'll stop the song. You're like. After all, you're like, oh, they're going to play the whole song of just her repeatedly walking out of the ocean in slow motion. That's a long time. You can, if you've got 10 seconds of footage, but you slow it down enough, you can make it last for three Interspersed minutes. Interspersed with just this weird douchebag like trying to offer her flowers, which was actually in the show. That's not some, This is not a fan-made no. thing. If you, if you never saw Baywatch, that's what Baywatch was like. Look, I think a lot of people sort of um, remember... Um, Pamela Anderson from Baywatch, but I think mm. um, for me, uh, oh, yes. as a as a probably you know she, I think uh, Erica, <laughs> she was definitely um, the the sexier of the, of yes. the Baywatch for babes. People I of guess. a certain age, Pamela Anderson was the poor man's <laughs> Erica, Erica yeah. Leniak, yeah, hard exactly. to pronounce surname. <laughs> Sorry, um, I've just I've made this into easily the perviest one of these. That did you ever watch Baywatch Nights, Tom? Uh, <laughs> Did, but I wish that I had because the more I hear about it, the better it sounds. <laughs> so, so, just really briefly, season one of Baywatch Nights was just Baywatch at night, like. Oh, okay. But then season two of Baywatch Nights turned into like some sort of like monster of like Did X Files type. Yeah. Like, there's something creepy in the water, and it's just like I heard weird they tried to. The X Files came out, and they were like, "Oh shit, we'll have a piece of that." And so yeah. you know, suddenly it was Hasselhoff. And Nicole Eckert or whatever, who I thought was sexy as hell when I was like 10. So I mean, this was the whole point of Baywatch, let me say, you know, like... Absolutely. It was basically just an excuse for this yeah. kind of thing. But so look, um, yeah, so good to see that this song was used in Baywatch. Rock set 7.8 mil on the Spotify, that's a lot, but they've got a, they've got a lot of fucking hits. I don't think you can deny oh, that. Sure. Um, 53 cents on Spotify, ah, sorry, on Discogs, that's a pretty sweet deal. Um, R.I.P. Marie. Um, yes. That's emotional. Yeah. I was definitely a bit sad when she passed away. Fortunately, as I mentioned, I did go and see uh, Roxette. Um, <laughs> Where did you see them? <laughs> um, about 20 years past their prime, admittedly. But it was uh, when I, I, I moved back to Australia in 2011. And I, it must have been maybe like a year or two after that. Maybe 2000. Might have actually only been, yeah, like 
within a year of that. So I'm going to say 2012, maybe 2013. They did like one of those day on the green things mm. or day on the lawn things out at a vineyard, out. Um, uh. I can't remember where exactly, but sort of Hillsville or something like that. Somewhere in yeah. sort of outer Melbourne. Um, they did it. So they were the headliner. Um, so I got to witness them. Uh, Boom Crash Opera. <laughs> um, Dragon. So it's just a wall-to-wall hip factory and someone else, I can't remember who the other one was. But, um, so, you know, Tom, when you jump off the bus and you walk out and you hear Onion Skin by Boom oh, Crash Opera, you know it's going to be a good day. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, but the thing about Dragon was as well, obviously Mark Hunter's been dead for a long time. So oh, it was yeah. some other dude. So yeah. it was about the same. But anyway, I didn't care about any of that. Just was there for Roxette. Because um, the last time I'd seen 50% of Roxette, um, I was living in the UK and I'd, I'd taken a lot of cocaine. Let's just say that. Um, I think to I think probably at the time of purchasing the ticket and then at the time of going to watch the show. But it was pretty good. It was pretty good, I think. So Purr just pumped out. That was of, just him on his own? Yep, he pumped out a lot of rock set hits and some of his work off his solo album, um, <laughs> which goes by the name of Son of a Plumber, So, um, which I knew admittedly fucking none of, but it was okay. Still so. better album title than Son of Albert. Yeah, exactly. Which, For sure. just Andrew so, Ridgely's just, solo album. It was such shit. Yeah, exactly. sold 150 <laughs> copies of like eight, eight. Imagine being in Wham, but still only having like 100 listeners on Spotify. Oh, right. That's pretty sad. Anyway. But yeah, so anyway, so I think per probably played for like 90 minutes and out of that probably played you know half a dozen Roxette songs so it was worth it worth the 30 pounds which mm. probably wasn't in hindsight but um, it's like 60 Australian that's insane but yeah. it was clearly a lifelong dream of yours to see yeah. either one well, half or the band or I think were, band. well they were broken up I think at that oh, stage right. so I sort of thought this is this is as good as it gets and they sure. reformed and um yeah and that's the thing like you know I sort of even going to see Roxette at the time I sort of thought oh, do I don't really want to do this you know like they were big in the 90s it's like 2012 now it's like 20 years past the fact but you know you go you go and see things because yeah you know, people pass away. I mean, just imagine that you, you know, said, oh, I'm going to go and see, you know, a band that you like and you just say, oh, I'll put it off. I'll see them next year. And then the next thing you know, um, you know, they've passed away. And, that has happened to me multiple times. But yes, yeah. I mean, sure. If you want to hear You've Got the Lock being performed live by the original members, you know, sometimes you've got to do a line and pay £30 for a ticket. <laughs> you Let do. that be a lesson to you, young kids. Oh, for sure, absolutely. Always yeah. snort cocaine before buying, <laughs> making ticket buying decisions. Oh, definitely, definitely. And at the very minimum, you won't miss out on stuff. That's yeah, true. for sure. I mean, ima- imagine that 2015 Guru Josh was singing through town and you just went... Yes. I'm not going to borrow, you know, I'm not going to bother watching Guru Josh. He'll be here next year. I love Infinity. Mm-hmm. 1999 was the yep. year of the Guru, but yep. that was also 25 years ago. So imagine, imagine just passing on that and then finding out he's dead. You never get to see Guru yeah. Josh live. So that's, I'm, I'm glad I made that decision. So yeah. Um, so that was six weeks, but it's a, it's a big song. Six weeks, yeah. Yep. No, that was a huge song. It still gets played all the time. This, that's A-tier classic rock. Oh, absolutely. The video clip's great. It looks like it's in some sort of... They've tried to build like something that looks like an abandoned warehouse type yeah. house thing, but it looks real cheap and put together. But it's pretty good. They're both younger than I remembered, obviously. Because <laughs> yes. I was watching this when I was 13, so they seem very yeah. mature, but they both look like they're about 23. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. Absolutely. So after that, um, 7th of August... For three weeks, new kids on the block, NKOTB, you've got it, bracket the right stuff, end bracket. Uh, Fuck yeah. You know. Look, um... Was this their first big 
First big hit, Tom. Um, they did have an I album this prior to this yeah. that no one gave a flying fuck about, but um, <laughs> they 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 persisted. They released album number two, and then they've got this. And look, I think this song and NKOTB prove once and for all: you get five guys together from various backgrounds, yep. you know, different types. Look. You've got, you know, this is the archetype for boy bands. You've got the bad boy, you've got the boy next door, you've got the dreamboat, you've got the loner, and you've got the wild card. You put those together and you can make genuine music history. Agreed? Mm. Well, they certainly proved that you could. Like, yep. you know, yeah. It, even at the time, there was a sense that this was just a new thing that you were supposed to like. Yeah. And it proved to be correct in the sense that it certainly was the first of the boy bands that I remember. Yeah, absolutely. That template, which, you know, like, and the choreographed dancing in a line, you know, the yep. themed videos, all of that stuff started here with these dudes. Absolutely. Yeah. Look, the interesting thing about New Kids on the Block is that they were put together by a guy called Maurice Starr. Ah, uh, um, yes. Now, he had previously put a group together um, called New Edition. Uh, which yep. uh, featured Bobby Brown. He was in New Edition, and that was a that was a that was one of the original boy bands. Yep. Five five black guys, and Maurice Starr, um, who was African American himself, realized um, for better or for worse that the success of the group, unfortunately, <laughs> at the time in eighties America, yep. almost rested on the fact that he was sort of like. If it was if this was an all white yeah. boy group, it would have more appeal, which is yeah. sad. But well, this is true. 1989, so MTV had only just started playing music videos true. with black Exa- people in about exactly. three years ago. Exactly so, yeah. right. So Maurice Star, after New Edition, um, put together these guys, and he basically wrote all the songs. I think played like all the instruments on the thing. That wouldn't and shock me. did everything himself, and just got these guys to to sing and became really big. And before. Uh, Maurice Starr was um, putting together boy bands. He was in a group called the Jones and Crew. Are you familiar with the Jones and Crew? No. They're like real <laughs> old school, early... Uh, remember in the early 80s, hip-hop before there was any rapping in it? You know, it was just sort of like samples and weird electronics. And yeah, they used a like lot of... Herbie Hancock type yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They used a lot of vocoder. Like all the... Like there's, you know, everything's just through a vocoder. Cameo type. Yeah. And um, it was sick as hell. And I I quite like the Jones and crew, to be honest. Um, and they had a look... That was like rope, like Daft Punk basically ripped their look off, except like Daft Punk is all robots, but these dudes were like robot helmets, but then they'd wear like 18th century ruffle poet shirts as well. It was, it was I the sickest look, look. And you're right. So it was great fucking so awesome. Like it was so cool. It was just like, imagine from the neck up like uh, Daft Punk, but then from the waist down like 18th century ruffle shirts and just like doing robot moves. And, um, yeah, so Marie Star's always been cool. Um, my son, who's like four, loves the Jones and Crew. He'd like crank that shit every day. Um, he wants to go to Japan just to buy Jones and Crew records, so he's a bit insane. I've got to well. listen to some of their stuff. I was impressed by the fact that they look like a bunch of African-Americans dressed up as Elton John going to his own birthday party in 1980. 
nine, <laughs> yeah. when he was still pretending to be heterosexual, but would regularly appear in public dressed as Louis the Fourteenth, complete with like a sailing ship in his twelve foot tall wig kind of Absolutely. thing. Absolutely, yeah. Because so I read, it's good I, to see that carry across to the African American community. No, it was, well. it was awesome. So Marie Star was rad. So because I read yeah. a book a few years ago um, about the history of the vocoder, which was pretty funny, because <laughs> it started off as a means of um, masking. Uh, communications basically oh, so okay. yeah so when you're sending as a way of sending communications I guess through for military purposes of, yep. so that I guess it was encoded from A to B okay. they'd use a vocoder so that no one could crack that <laughs> code so to speak so to yep. keep your messages confidential or secret and then eventually it just got used in early hip hop to sort of do that robot voice. Uh, okay. And now, and people use auto-tune these days and those sorts of things yeah, to create a robot voice. Yeah, that song was the start of yeah. popular So religion. people don't use the vocoder as much these days, but the Jones and crew did. They had a really sick robot look. Um, we Are the Jones and Crew. It's a it's a great song. More Check people it out. should know about them. Absolutely, yeah. But anyway, Marie Star yeah. went on to do um, this, which um, for better or for worse, it's pretty good. Look, I think it's easy to shit on New Kids on the Block. I think a lot of people probably do. But um, I, I actually quite like this song for like an 80s sort of yeah. pop boy band type thing. The video is in black and white. Um, Jordan Knight, who's one of the singers, is wearing a Bauhaus t-shirt. So he's like a secret goth, I think. <laughs> either that or some, he's either a secret goth. Um, post-punk goth kid or someone in the wardrobe has just went wear this Bauhaus t-shirt he could be a fan of uh, mid-century industrial art <laughs> he, might, he could be as well modernist he, he might movie. not know that it's actually a band and dislikes that sort of movement <laughs> but um, yeah and the dance moves people people, you go onto YouTube people say the dance moves in this video clip are dog shit but they sort of do this sort of side-to-side leg movement go oh oh, yeah. oh and I think it's fun as hell and I, whenever kind I kind of doing the robot bit, like oh yeah, yeah. I do that just at Coles, just <laughs> when I'm you're getting some tomatoes. Oh oh oh, and you do that at the supermarket. People yeah. just leave you alone, and you can just like get out of your way, and you can do whatever you want. So look, I think it's pretty good. Um, this song shreds, and so does Hanging Tough, which was off the same yes. album. Well, I um, reckon I think Marie Star is definitely responsible for any sort of balls act that the new kids on the block might have. Those two songs, particularly, mm. like he wrote shitloads of their songs, as he said, yep. including like. Uh, many of their biggest hits like yep. Funky Feeling, Funky Funky Christmas, Hanging <laughs> Tough bracket in a funky way in bracket, White Christmas, I'll Be Missing You Come Christmas bracket, <laughs> A Letter to Santa in bracket, Toasties and of course Popsicle, yep. plus shitloads of songs for New Edition, he wrote songs for Sister Act, Bow Wow, an- another bad creation, he did Jealous Girl <laughs> if you remember that, Romeo, yeah. he wrote songs for Tiffany, Fifth Harmony and LL Cool J. LL you know, Cool like, J. Fuck yeah. yeah, dude's a hit factory. Yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. You just cannot believe how many songs this guy came out with. You know, and it's not like, as in, there are latter sort of boy brand impresario type figures where you would look at a list like that and you would think, hmm, how many of these did he just put his name on? Mm. But with this guy, it seems like he really did do most of the work himself up to and including possibly just telling them how to dance and look like they were a bit black. Well, he he, he wrote all the songs. He recorded, I think, all the instruments and all the music. So he's not just slapping his name on things either. He really was behind all of this stuff that we listened to. 
And look, I think um, after Maurice, after he sort of left the scene and then New Kids on the Block did reposition themselves as gangster rappers in KOTB, <laughs> I think they were significantly less successful when they tried to go for a harder edge and the people just went, yeah. nah, man, this shit sucks. This so. edge was about as hard as people would buy from oh, New Kids absolutely, on the Block. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> also, well, they didn't seem to notice that NKOTB is no easier to say than New Kids <laughs> yeah, on the Block. In fact, it's, an har- equal it's number. fucking harder to <laughs> yes. say. The whole point of an abbreviation is that it's it's e- an acronym. It's easier yes. to say. So. And also, if you look at it written down, it visually appears to be an anagram of knob. Yeah, well, Which isn't sure. doing yourself any favours either. Absolutely. Yeah. Are there any lyrical highlights from this or um, anything? That well, I think every, the lyrics are too simplistic yeah. to go with, bother with, really, and everyone knows them already. So I thought instead I might bust out some lyrics that uh, Maurice wrote instead for the LL Cool J song Candy. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, which include my peeps used to say I was whipped all your girls said since you got with him you flipped but they couldn't feel the feelings we felt mirrors on the ceiling we melt I would look up at you I remember the afternoon you surrendered we made love the temperature was high as could be you said Todd promise you ain't lying to me so LL Cool J's real name is actually Todd and she doesn't call him LL Cool J which suggests to me that his entire nickname is total bullshit <laughs> So, on the other hand, he is at least willing to admit to being whipped, which by the standards of 90s hip-hop is basically makes him a feminist, I would say. So, um. Oh, absolutely. I mean, anybody that's willing to admit that um, they're not just pounding bitches. And In like... 1989, but yes. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Look, I'd say hats off to Maurice for inventing the modern boy band. And making them look a lot cooler than they would later on come to be. Oh, look, absolutely. Look, I think if, if he he is probably the pioneer of the boy band. If uh, if he's not, then you know I'd like someone to prove me wrong with who yeah. was the pioneer of the boy Maurice, band. Um, and also, I think that his work pre boy band is still rad as hell. Um, and yeah, look, massive respect to that dude. Even if you don't really like New Kids on the Block, but look, um, yeah, my lyrical highlight, Tom, is just. Um, First kiss was a sweet kiss. Second kiss had a twist. Third and the fourth kiss, I don't want to miss. Now, sweet kiss short. Second kiss had a twist. I don't, I don't know what he's referring to there. Is it some sort of like tongue work or is it just sort of like it's an unusual kiss? Third and the fourth kiss, I don't want to miss. So I guess it's sort of just the second one had a twist. What possibly could kiss three and four offer? Any well, answers to that? The only thing I can think of is that Kiss Number Two had a Shyamalan-esque um, fake out where oh. uh, he closed his eyes, went in, and he ended up pashing his dog, her dog, yep, perhaps. That's or, true. You know, the dog went baru. There was a record scratch sound effect. <laughs> you know? Exactly. And then he said, "You're probably wondering how I got into this crazy situation in the first place." <laughs> Indeed. The, and then the third and the fourth kiss took place in flashback. Ah, you know, that's yeah. that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, look, it's complicated. I guess we'll never know unless we can ask them in person. We'll get them on the podcast, Tom, see what they have to say. Um, 1.7 mil. Wow. Is that, is that I mean, more, less or more? than? I mean, That is less. Yeah. I mean, they, they got back together and toured not that long ago. Mm. I mean, he said an old person. You know, yeah. probably ten years ago, but like <laughs> they were, they were, they were big audiences. They did not. That this was not some one of the previously mentioned mashed together yeah, exactly. one hit wonder. You know, yep. borderline charity retirement shows. These were big concerts, like yeah. full of you know 
older women wearing ripped jeans and oh, absolutely. You know, their original band tour t-shirts like yeah. you know they would have a lot of money it just surprises me that i guess maybe it's just that they do not have a ongoing younger fan base i think you're right i think their like, fans i think you're right they're older yeah, people that probably just still crank the cds just aged out. they just they just listen to the yeah. cds and vinyl at home 18 cents on Discogs for this. I think that's a deal of the fucking season. Get on top of that. Um, who? What's What's your... We mentioned at the top of this um, section talking about this show. Do you, as a, a boy band fan, Tom, do you prefer the bad boy, the boy next door, the dream <laughs> boat, the loner, or the wild card? I prefer uh, the one who's secretly gay. Well, that's uh, the... I think that's the wild card. It's probably. often the wild card. <laughs> Or the loner, I don't know. <laughs> or, or the dream boat, it could be all of them, or the boy next door. It's not the bad boy, though. The Who bad... was, what was Lance Bass in, who was he in, like... NSYNC? Yeah, and he's like 10 years older than the rest of them. Yep. He looks like the lead singer of Smash Mouth. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. like they've just subbed this guy in for the weekend I think, I think from a bowling was... league on the edge of town because he could do some of the footwork. Was he the loner or the boy next door? It's really hard to say, but yeah, definitely. I don't really know. Um, Who's your favourite? Oh, look, I quite like the wild card because you never know what you're going to get, Tom, um, as the name suggests. Um, But in this band, I'm a big fan of of, uh, Donnie Wahlberg um, because, A, it's Marky Mark's brother. Mm. um, And you just assume that um, in Entourage, it's the the basis character for, um, you know, the sort of the annoying weird dude in Entourage you know like sort of... I've never watched Entourage really oh okay like... yeah yeah so but I'm gonna well, look, take it's... I... look I think Entourage is one of those shows that was probably of its time I think I would not bother uh, <laughs> embracing it now I'm... there's a lot of probably shit on there it's only I think it's only probably 10-ish or years old but there seems to be a lot of stuff that probably wouldn't fly these days but um so effectively so in the show I think um so Mark Wahlberg's like an executive producer and I think a lot of the... So it's basically about a, a big actor. Ah, uh, um, yes. I think it's yeah. based on Marky Mark's life yeah. as yes. it, like obviously Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Um, they don't, <laughs> don't talk about that, but they talk about him as, as an actor yeah. in the film. So I think in Entourage, the show is based a lot about his life and then the Entourage is just his friends that yeah. are sort of in that. But and he's one of them. One the of them is his brother. brother. Ah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so in, in Entourage, there's sort of like the sort of, you know, bro that's like used to be big and he's not anymore and he's sort of like, you know, living on <laughs> past glories or whatever. resentment for yeah, his more exactly. successful brother. Which is probably Donnie Wahlberg, I guess. So, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I'll say that for Donnie Wahlberg. You know, he never went on to the heights that uh, Mark Wahlberg did, but he also never uh, did a racist beating as a teenager that uh, left a man blind. No, he never you know, blinded so, a Vietnamese shopkeeper, no. so I think that's that's uh, in his favour, so which so, is pretty good, absolutely. Oh, 21. Don't they all own a fucking hamburger restaurant? Yeah, Wahlburgers. Ah, uh, yes. Isn't it? It's, uh, what's your name? Wahlberg. What's your last I'm name? Sure Wahlberg. That mysteriously Wahlberg doesn't, doesn't end up in Entourage either. I don't really know, <laughs> yeah. Look, honestly, I've not seen all of Entourage, uh, just some episodes, <laughs> and I can't remember there being any Wahlburgers type action in there, but still, nevertheless. Um, look, this is a good one. Um, watch the video just for um, the Bauhaus shirt and the dance moves, I think. So it's pretty sweet. It's like black and white, isn't it? Oh, it's like yeah. 90s grey. It looks really... Like, like they've tried to make it a bit artier than it should yeah, be. Yeah. Um, and I they're driving around in the car that. and it's sort of like... 
Yeah, look, it's good. Everyone's jeans look like they've lost a fight with a lawnmower. Absolutely right. No, it's pretty good. Three weeks of that, and then 28th of August um, for one week is simply read, If You Don't Know Me By Now. Oh, Lord. Um, Simply read, more like simply shit. Am I right, Tom? Yeah, it wasn't very complicated, was it? No. Maybe don't name yourself after your own hair colour when your own hair colour is an ongoing joke about... (laughs) <laughs> low T dickheads that's a bit unfair but like yeah I mean yeah, I don't know I'm not sure if he was actually a dickhead but there was a, just an ongoing joke at the time that it, you know uh, Mick Hucknall was a bit of a knob oh, he fancied yeah. himself as a kind of Robert Plant type yep. you know shirt open to the navel type you know when in actual fact uh, yeah he was a bit more like a kind of uh Puppet off Sesame Street. Oh, yeah. I mean, he sucked. This song's pretty... I mean, this is a cover. It's pretty boring. Oh, it's boring as hell, let's face it. So, there. Yeah. I guess, you know, I think in Australia, they're a one-hit wonder. This is their only hit. Imagine being a one-hit wonder and then being like... Even people are just like, you one-hit sucks shit. I don't yeah. want to hear it anymore. So, what's, what's the... Do you know about ones. the original of this song? or The original was... Uh, by Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes from 1972, although it is an often covered song. It's been okay. covered by Blue, Rod Stewart, and Lynn Collins. And there's even a dirty parody by a guy called Blowfly titled If You Don't Blow Me By Now. <laughs> now, uh, instead what of talking Blowfly. About, well, the Blowfly story is quite elaborate. In fact, during the 60s and 70s, a guy called Clarence Reed wrote for and produced artists including Betty Wright, Sam and Dave, Gwen McRae, Jimmy Horn, Bobby Bird, KC and the Sunshine yeah. Band. During that period, he was also a recording artist doing many of his own songs, including Nobody But You, Babe. And his first triple X record, Oddballs, which was reworked into Rap Dirty several years later. And then from then on, he specialised in writing sexually explicit versions <laughs> of hit songs for fun, but only was he a, them... Was he like an, an original Weird Al? Yes. Okay. Uh, uh, combined with a sort of Rodney Rude type, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Captain... Not... What's his name? The guy who used to fart the hit parades. Anyway, he... <laughs> Sorry, I should... He was still recording legitimately, but he also wrote sexually explicit versions of hit songs for fun, but he only performed them for his mates at parties or in the studio. But um, in 71, he recorded a whole album of these songs under the name Blowfly, which his mum gave to him once she heard one of these songs and said how disgusting it was. And anyway, the album called was called The Weird World of Blowfly, and it features Reed dressed as a low-rent supervillain on the cover. Good. He created that alter ego to perfect his actual career <laughs> as a songwriter and continued to perform in bizarre costumes as this Blowfly character. And... Uh, but just underground because this sort of stuff obviously is not going to play on the radio and there's no internet back then so you know yeah but yeah eventually aged 50 because keep in mind he's been writing songs since the 60s like getting yeah. played on the radio <laughs> since the 60s. eventually aged 50 he got signed to the dead kennedy's label and produced a new album fahrenheit 69 which is a great <laughs> title and ended up touring out touring with the big day out in 2010 <laughs> still wearing a weird fake superhero outfit and performing modern parodies such as a rewrite of the dead kennedy song holiday in cambodia titled R. Kelly in Cambodia. <laughs> um, the album also includes I Want to Be Felated, uh, Gotta Keep Her Penetrated, I Want to Fuck Your Dog, after the <laughs> famous uh, 
I want to be your dog, yep. is it like... Yeah, you, and you... should I fuck this big fat hoe? I'm not sure what that's a title of, <laughs> retitling of, but I'm sure it rhymes with something. Sadly, Blowfly passed away in 2016, although much like Elvis and Tupac, he did manage to postum- posthumously release final album, 77 <laughs> Rusty Trombones. <laughs> so, Fantastic. yeah, that's the Blowfly story, which I had never heard of, but I hear he is something of an underground and even eventually, I guess, overground figure if you're at the fucking Big Tay out in Sydney in 2010 yeah absolutely that's fantastic 70. <laughs> and, he cov- and he covered this and no doubt made it way better than uh, I guarantee the, the it Simply was Red more version. entertaining than Simply Red oh no doubt um, so much like Tupac do you think they'll get him as a hologram to perform at some time in the future would you like to see Blowfly <laughs> as a hologram I very much would I would like to see Coachella and just sort of yeah or, I mean you know if you're customarily performing in a costume you can always pull the did he fake his own death thing <laughs> which I'm sure MF Doom you know uh, <laughs> Andy Kaufman uh, various other the Launceston band the Nameless Ones you know they've all pulled that trick <laughs> over the years I good to see a Nameless Ones reference in there look yeah I mean MF Doom um rarely showed up to perform when he was alive like just sent random dudes anyway so him faking, would you bother, him faking yeah. his own death I think is pretty I, I hope he has it'd be high up there but um yeah certainly uh blowfly <laughs> that's good times yeah it's sort of it, it it does beg the question though why did Daft Punk retire recently couldn't they have just kept going forever Seven and just sent fucking anyone out to yeah, do it in those robot when masks? You're... You know, as DJs, your contribution to the actual musical product on stage is questionable. Well, exactly, you don't have to play any instrument. You can just sort of put the put an iPod on shuffle and wear those masks. Send out and you're two good to guys, go. and, yeah, with a DAT tape, and you're okay. Absolutely right. So, um, yeah, look, the video clip to this one, Tom, features. I don't know, what was there's, it? there's a there's a whole heap of chairs um, stacked up. Um, mm-hmm. so the bands they're in a venue there's a whole heap of stairs checked up it's like sort of stacked up the chairs and look I don't know I, I just assume that the chair it's sort of like a metaphor for the, the stacked up chairs I guess a metaphor for you know the absurdity of life where nothing seems to serve any real purpose and problems seem to keep stacking up or increasing <laughs> with no immediate uh, means to address them that's what I take from it either that or they just chose to film it in a pub that was shut to save on the budget so maybe mm. it's just like or perhaps they heard that Simply Red was playing nobody showed, <laughs> nobody so they showed thought, up or perhaps putting the chairs in a pile will convince people that you know Simply Red are making a music video <laughs> that's right. zero people attend let's stack <laughs> those chairs pub up so. suddenly empties and then you've got all these chairs exactly right but um, look this song you know it's, I guess it's taken on a life of its own after um, its original release um, it did feature in the video game Karaoke Revolution Presents American Idol so you know it's gone on to really big things I think that's the next GTA you know is that one yeah absolutely look um, there's probably no lyrical highlights for this no there really aren't and it's a cover anyway like it's not even original any any blowfly lyrical highlights? <laughs> Unfortunately, no. I thought the I should have I should have looked some up, but I thought the long list of um oh, it's enough, of yeah. his own song titles would be. I still reckon Fahrenheit sixty nine and seventy seven rusty trombones. He also had a greatest hits called Analthology, which I think the Jeez. Analthology blowflies. Blowfly. Uh, yeah, I'm curious Great. as to whether no, I think it's someone else. But yeah, I, I listened to a few of his songs, and they're not. I wouldn't describe them as awesome, but I would describe them as... <laughs> would you describe them as awful? No, they're somewhere no, in between. That's it's good. It's the kind of thing you would be fairly jazzed to see uh, as the 
second three paper kicks in during your third day at um, the insane clown posse's <laughs> outdoor the gathering, gathering of the, the juggalos. juggalos. Yeah, yeah, you go, this guy's pretty good, actually. Nice. You yeah. know, so yeah, I'd put him at about that level. Excellent. So if I'm at a music festival three days deep, yeah, and I've taken a lot of drugs, <laughs> I'll probably enjoy it. That's good. That's good. Definitely. <laughs> Um, look, I'll check it out on YouTube though. Like, this is something I wasn't aware of. Um, and thank you, Simply Red, for pointing me in yeah, this direction. That's because the most interesting thing about that song is that I found out about Blowfly. So, hats off to that. Yeah, look, that was number one for one week. Probably one more than it needed to be. It sucks shit. Um, yeah, it's bold. Look, up next, Richard Marks for five weeks, right here, waiting for you. Mm, it's not my favourite. No. Is, I've got to say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, look. I don't know, the lyrics are sort of, I don't know, they're not great. The song, the song for me, I mean, look, I, I is is Richard Karl Marx's son? Is he? <laughs> I'm assuming. I mean, you know, was, do you, because yeah. I, I, reading through the lyrics, I sort of assume that it's just about sort of, um, you know, class conflict that manifests itself between the ruling classes, the bourgeoisie and, you know, that, that control the means of production and the working classes, you know, the proletariat. I mean, that's. do you take that away from the song or is it just sort of more about banging bitches? I don't know. <laughs> I think that definitely, you know, you know, he, he's got his own views on the fact that, you know, yeah, that, uh, that workers should control the means of production, you know, <laughs> yeah, certainly. That, you know, yeah. I, I'm sure if you put Richard Marx in a factory, he would be organising a union almost immediately. Um, oh, look. Although I'm not sure whether that song is about that. I don't, I don't know. Like, you know, Richard Marx, I know that he's certainly pushed for, for proletariat revolution to topple capitalism and bring about socioeconomic emancipation. I mean, I know uh, that's something that Richard Marx has talked about that. extensively. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Now that I think of it. Yeah, for sure. But I think that. Um, what I like about this um, is that, look, he's got a massive mullet in the music video. <laughs> he sure does. Huge fucking mullet. <laughs> and the album that this song comes from is called Repeat Offender. So <laughs> I think that's sort of, yeah. that's pretty good. But look, the song itself sort of, um, look, at ballad, not power ballad. No, no, definitely this is ballad. just an old school love song a yep. slow mopey love song yeah absolutely um, and look the music video it's one of those <laughs> shitty yes. life on the road videos which are fucking it's basically yeah. like so what I, I guess in the 80s you'd release an album and then there'd be the, the first single off the album where yep. they'd probably be like, okay, we're going to spend a bit of money on doing this. And then yeah. the second single was probably a hit, maybe. You got a hit and then the record label's like, okay, we need... That's a hit. We need another single. We've got to get it out there real quick. Yeah. Um, we need to film it just over the weekend. <laughs> what are you doing? And it's like, oh, I'm on the road. It's like, great. Let's film you out on the road, life on the road. So you basically, there's the big sign outside the venue that says <laughs> Richard Marks playing tonight. There's that. Um, Sorry, then, so yeah, get your 80s music video bingo it's, it's card black out and white, for yeah. this one. It's so that. you've got, it's in black and white for no reason. Yep. You've got the big sign outside the venue. Rich, Richard Marks playing tonight at like yep. the Rainbow that's or wherever check. the fuck it is. That's another trick. Um, shots of the crowd probably outside the venue lining up to get in. Yep, that's um, another trick. There's him on a plane. Or on a train or on a bus. Staring moodily yep. out the window. That's another check. Um, at a press conference, like answering some yep. questions. Being like, uh, 
Um, and then just, you know, at the end of the gig, lying back in the hotel, oh, life is so hard. I don't, yeah. I'm just sitting here, what, I'm, I'm, I'm pensive and I'm looking out because I'm, I'm away from my girlfriend. <laughs> That's another uh, trick. Yeah. You uh, missed, you, I mean, you did miss, <laughs> you saw, but like, you don't forget if you've got your bingo card in front of you, don't forget blue light shining through smoky windows. Shit. Uh, the lone singer performing in a giant empty arena. Oh, yeah. Check. During playing, sound check, yep. Playing alone at a grand piano yeah. under a blue spotlight, yep. check. Slow motion black and white footage of cheering fans in the crowd, yep. check. <laughs> Clearly rehearsed candid backstage footage just kicking it with the boys, check. <laughs> Singer staring moodily outside a window at nothing, already had that. Um, multiple highly memeable shots of that thing that they don't do anymore where you have the giant profile head of the singer overlaid on a tiny little background <laughs> version of the singer which looks like one of those three wolf moon shirts oh, that yeah, they have yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> an ecstatic woman in the crowd sitting on the shoulders of her boyfriend check slow-mo shots of the singer signing autographs for adoring <laughs> fans then at the last minute we cut to his face and he looks away with a look of secret melancholy and of course at least a dozen giant feathered mullets <laughs> going on. He's only got one, but half the crowd have got them, and oh, the yeah. boys in the band certainly are packing them. But this is this yeah. is the the cliched eighties life on the road video. Yes, we need to knock you're this right. out That's, in a it's, weekend. It's a subgenre of absolutely, yeah. and and I found that it, it sort of happened. Uh, and it seems to be a lot of artists where you. It, I guess you get to like single number four or five on the album where it's just like, yeah, we don't have any more budget to make music videos oh, or totally. whatever. And it's just like... As yeah. I mentioned before, another common trick in that one was the one where you just film the band recording their next song <laughs> yeah, in the studio and true. then try and improvise a sort of narrative over yep. the top of that. Like the sound, one of the... The, key, yep. the board guys is in love with the drummer or something like that just oh, to yeah. create some drama in the Absolutely. video. Look, we mentioned them before today, but Guns N' Roses were the masters of this. I think that off um, Appetite for Destruction, there's at least one like live, like it's live video, look at us like, backstage. Yep. And then when they did uh, Patience, um, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. that's just them Sitting in the studio around. again. Like, oh, look at us recording this song. So they're, they're basically the, the music videos that cost no money and take about five minutes to do. But Richard Marks amazingly crossed off almost every cliche in this one video. So he, well I will say he's A, an extremely attractive man, yep. and B, he is kind of charismatic in this. Like, I'm not saying any of these things aren't cliches, but he kind of pulls them off. You, you sort of do see... You know, like, yeah, like, I, it, it makes you think that he was possibly more successful than I thought that he yeah. was at the time, oh, I, which either means that he was because he's attractive and talented or he is creditable enough to give the impression that he was more successful than he actually was, which is another form yep. of talent in itself, you know. Oh, definitely, he's got he's got more hits, and I think we'll talk about him again at some stage in the oh, future. I'm sure I think he'll we pop will. up again. But um, yeah, he's definitely um, yeah. Look, this is um, this is a ballad. This is a softer one. It is, yeah. But you know, look, three point seven mil on the Spotify. That doesn't lie. He's obviously got the fans at thirty nine cents to pick a copy up of this. Three point seven mil. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. He yeah. must have young fans too. I suspect. Yeah, absolutely, no doubt. With hits like this, I assume that he certainly does. So. 
Um, five weeks of that, then move on to 9th of October. Oh, hang on, may I just say Yeah, sorry. That? Oh, oops, sorry. Oh, no, 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 you're no, right. No, I just sorry, wanted to on. say, yeah. uh, A, <laughs> if you haven't checked it out, check out Richard Marx's Twitter feed. Oh, yeah. Because, um, I mean, his lyrical abilities are pretty good, but his Twitter feed is rare. Anytime one of Donald Trump's idiot fail sons would like retweet a Nazi or whatever, he would reply to it with, your dad wants to fuck your sister, which because <laughs> he still has fans would get some attention. Like After like the sixth time he did it, when Twitter was starting to crack down and people making fake election claims, finally, like yeah. actually, he added... Like, interesting that I've posted this six times, yet Twitter hasn't banned me for making a false or misleading <laughs> statement. What I'm saying is that Richard Marx is as cold as the icy waters where that chick went missing all those years ago. You in, know? in the hazard video? Or <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's, a... that, that's the shit joke I'm making. I also wanted to point out that uh, the song was originally written for his wife. Ah, okay. uh, as a, Just as a, a thing specifically just for her, and then he decided yep. to release it later. She was in Africa filming for three months, and the lyrics of real simple things about blah 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 going crazy because she's she's not around his wife was Cynthia Rose you might Rose oh, you might yeah. not recognise the name but check this out for an 80s filmography she was in Dirty Dancing yep. Fantasy Island Whoa. Staying Alive Flashdance okay. and the video for Rosanna by Toto holy shit I mean if that's not a quintet <laughs> um, constantly I'm saying that these are the 80s power couple of the decade narrowly edging out Warwick and Joanne Kappa oh that's, you know. that's a big call if they're, if they're edging them out it's only just <laughs> I think it's a very 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 um, but I guess the thing is that um, you know Richard Marx doesn't have the ability to use his surname to launch a cafe called Warwick Cappuccino. So no, if Richard, no. But you know, Richard but Marx is could into that. Head, you know, the rise of the proletariat finally. Oh, yeah, as absolutely. You've pointed well, I've pointed out he has. Yeah, it's certainly yes. been that sort of battle for you know in, in all of his lyrics. He certainly is very much fighting the pro the proletariat fight, which is fighting the good fight. Good on Richard Marx. But um, look, I'm glad that he's using his Twitter to to say that um, your dad wants to fuck your sister. I think it's actually he's, quite funny. He is. Yeah, he's good on Twitter. Yep. Yeah, no, I like that. So, I mean, maybe instead of writing a manifesto, he decided to do that instead, that he could do more work for the worker on Twitter than, you know, with a... And it begs the question at the end of the day, read. who's had more of an influence? Is it, That's is it true. you know, Karl Marx with his communist manifesto or is it Richard Marx with his Twitter feed? I guess mm. I'm thinking the latter now. Yes, Certainly. I mean... Communism didn't really work, so I don't No, I guess. and Karl Marx never wrote Hazard. So, no, yeah. he certainly didn't. Absolutely right, so... <laughs> For sure. So, look, um, Karl Marx, I don't think he's going to feature again in this, um, unfortunately. <laughs> did he have any shame. hits? Did he have any? I don't know whether he did. But Richard Marx definitely will, so we'll talk about him later. But um, So, that was great. Five weeks of that. Um, then, October 9, as I just mentioned. Sure, if I could turn back time. Wow, that was a big one. Seven, oh weeks, of, seven weeks of that. Almost seven weeks, two solid yeah. months of this. Um, and, look, this is great. Um, you got to remember that when this video came out, Sher is about 43, yeah. 44 years of age. Um, and she's dressed like a goth teenager you'd probably see hanging out the front of the reject shop, trying to scrape another, together enough, you know, sort of change from passers-by to purchase <laughs> a pass-the-use-by-date can of prawn uh, cocktail-flavoured Pringles. <laughs> but she pulls it off. Well, I mean, you can't argue with results. like. No. Like Madonna, you know, speaking of earlier, when Cher did this, like, 
even if it seemed a bit undignified at the time, like publishing a book of photos of yourself blowing yeah. vanilla rice or straddling a cannon on a battleship wearing a strange sort of half-thong, half-onion bag combination in front of 500 sailors, you just can't argue with results, which is their ability to dominate the cultural conversation, oh. especially the monoculture. Like, this was all anybody talked about on TV for a fucking Forever, month. Yeah. People still mention it now. Yeah. And, like, if you go onto Google and YouTube, like I did, and type, if I could... This is still the first thing that comes up after 32 years. Yep. The first suggested result is turn back time. Yep. So unless a lot of people are investigating the possible possibility of time travel that yep. I don't know about. Yeah, possibly are. You know. Yeah. Um, and you've got to remember that um, Australian Hit Factory 1927 actually had a song called If I Could, but that's <laughs> Google still assumes that people aren't after that. They want this. So there you go. Maybe you should have gone with If the I could paint, I'd paint a portrait of you. But uh, there we go. But yeah, it's, you're right. This was um, massive cultural significance. Um, this song was written by Diane Warren, um, who I'm going to use oh, the man. who's a fucking hit factory. Um, yeah, she's man. written like a metric ton of of hits. Um, because you love me, Celine Dion. Blame it on the rain, Millie Vanilli. Have you ever by Brandy? Don't want to miss a thing by Aerosmith. Oh, yeah. Love Will Lead You Back by Taylor Day. Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now by Starship. Um, when I See You Smile by Bad English. And that's just the number one songs that she's written. So there's other top 10, <laughs> top 40 Man songs. So. That's pretty impressive. She so she's, penned... she's the female Morris Starr even. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> she's penned a lot of hits. So um, And look, she, re- she wrote this for Cher and Cher said, look, is this going to be the sort of song, you know, I'm going to be dressed as a goth teenager in the video clip. She said, it's perfect for you. Don't worry about that. (laughs) Um, So, because originally it was a bit of a soft rock song. Yes. Written specifically for sure. And she said, I'm not feeling this. I don't want to do it. But apparently Warren said to her, um, she said, I'm not going to leave the room until you record this song. And then she did. um, And apparently, um, quote, she really hated it, but I held her leg down during the session and said, you have to record it. And then Warren, according to Warren Scher, said, quote, fuck you, bitch. You're hurting my leg. Okay, I'll do it. So there you go. So sometimes if you write a song, so this is, this is my advice for young songwriters. Okay? You pen a song, you write a song. Whatever it might be, you go, you go to Lady Gaga's apartment, you wait outside, two, three days, however it is, you're in your car, you just wait, wait for her, wait for her to come out, say, I've written this song for you, and if she says, look, I'm not interested, you just, you stick your, your, your you grow your fingernails out, you jam them into her legs, and just go, uh, quote, you have to record it, you have to record it, and then eventually, Lady Gaga, whoever it might be, I've just used her as an example, might say, fuck you, bitch, you're hurting my leg, but okay, I'll try it, so just give that a go, and I think that'll be fine. I mean, results speak for themselves. They do speak they? for themselves. I'm assuming absolutely. that's what got uh, Aerosmith to record. I don't want to miss it. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, you might think this isn't going to be successful. They're not going to do this, but that's fine. Find the artist that you want, no matter who it is. You know, um, you know, you know, Ariana Grande, as I mentioned, Lady Gaga, you know, maybe Car- Cardi B, whoever it is. Just stalk them. 
stick your fingers into their legs until they record it and you'll be good to go. So I think that's that's sound advice for any young songwriter. It's, it's an unusual instance of a music industry sexual misconduct with a woman as the perpetrator. I mean, at least yep. I'm hoping that's unusual. Oh, I certainly hope so, certainly. But look, but I mean... Yes, I mean, I think that's good advice for aspiring young musicians. I can't see it going wrong. Absolutely. Look, um, <laughs> interestingly, so... The uh, this song the the music video takes place entirely on like a warship. Yes, um, I'm assuming very, everyone in the world has seen it, but yeah, yes, if, if you have forgotten it, go go and check it yeah, out. A it's giant a, battleship. Yep, yeah, it's the goth teenager sure who's just crushed a can of out of date uh, prawn <laughs> cocktail Pringles from the reject shop. She's up there <laughs> on the navy vessel. She's just hanging out. Um, and look, bit of background. So apparently, the, the Department of Navy. They granted permission um, for the music video to be shot um, as a way of potentially boosting Navy recruitment. <laughs> so that was that was why they agreed to do this. Um, so the Navy received criticism for allowing the video shoot, especially from World War II veterans who saw it as a desecration of a national historic site that should be treated with reverence because it was, it was shot aboard the, the USS Missouri and that's the site that uh, the, the, the uh, Emperor of Japan, so World War II, 2nd of September 1945, effectively, I think, the Emperor boarded this ship yeah, or someone from Japan. photo exactly. of signing it. Got onto this USS Missouri and sort of signed it saying, World War II is over and also I'm effectively giving over control of, of my country to the US, who sort yep. of de facto sort of in control of Japan for some time, wrote their constitution, you know, did all, control them for, for several, you know, a couple of decades, I guess. So effectively that was a big thing and people said, now you're letting a goth teenager on board <laughs> with a can of Pringles to do this sort of thing. Yes. So, you know, desecration of of a Navy vessel. Do you agree, Tom, or do you think it would have boosted just recruitment for the Navy and everyone just went, that's great? Well, does it uh, make you want to join the Navy? Oh, it does, absolutely, okay. for sure. It I'm certainly th- would have when I was 13, I yeah. will say that much. Mm. Um, yeah. Look, I'm thinking of getting involved now. You know, they might reject me because I'm too old, but I'm going to do it. But look, desecration of a sacred site, it's not the first time that someone in music has done something <laughs> where they've sort of suggested really? it's, de- it's desecrating something. Look, what would another example? Oh, look, Tom, I think one that what, that springs to mind is, um, remember several years ago where um, Miley Cyrus performed at um, one of the, the VMA Awards or some sort yep. of music video with Robert, from, Thicke. with Robert Thicke, and she showed up on stage and um, she had one of those giant foam fingers on. <laughs> yes. Remember that, yep. you know, the foam I fingers? Remember. You know, you might, you know, you've seen them at the basketball, you've seen them at football mm. games, you know, you, you put the giant foam finger on, you wave. It's a mass, it's, if you haven't seen it, it's like a finger. It's re- It's like maybe a meter long finger. Yep. That's three feet for any Americans listening, three, four feet. It's made of foam. You put that on, you wave, you point at the crowd. Now, Miley Cyrus went on stage, she had a foam finger, she was doing the pointing, I think her and Robin Thicke were dancing, and the person that invented the foam finger said, you've desecrated the foam finger. That's not what its intent was. It wasn't for an erotic dance sequence with, with you know, Robin Thicke, the son of Alan Thicke from Growing Pains. I didn't, I didn't invent this foam finger so the son 
of the guy from Growing Pains could go on stage and dance in an erotic fashion with the daughter of the guy that sung Achy Breaky Heart. That's what, not what its intention was. It was for to be at basketball games when someone puts the ball through the hoop to sort of point the finger. He said that's a desecration of a national icon, the foam finger. Is that dancing with a foam finger at the VMA with Robin Thicke the same as Sure on the USS Missouri. Are they the same thing? Oh, I think the foam finger is much worse because, you know, people still wear the foam finger, whereas, you know, who's in the US Navy anymore? You know, no (laughs) No one. No one I know. It's it's an institution that's gone the way of the dodo. No, nothing about the Navy, yeah. You know... Do people still go on boats anymore? I don't think they do. (laughs) Whereas Miley Cyrus, Robin Thicke, and pretending to twerk, uh, they're all, you know... Very current things. As current as the foam finger itself. Absolutely know. right. Some things never go out of fashion. For sure, for sure. No, definitely. So look, um, this is a big hit. I like this one. <laughs> Anything else to say about it, Tom? Um, not much, really. I just... I, you know, speaking of the video, I mean, I just thought that she's got a lot of balls to wear that get up and appear in that video. <laughs> like, not, yep. not just because it's, you know, a reasonably sort of revealing or what appears to be a reasonably revealing thing to wear, you know, on a video. But it like, it's she's literally the only woman in that entire video. There's like 500 men oh, yeah. and one lone woman wearing hardly any clothes. And no offence to her stage act, but she's not much of a dancer. No. This is not, for any younger people listening, this is not like a Britney video that's got choreography or, you know, sophisticated, you know complicated multi-set stuff it's just her sort of mugging and fannying about in front of a band who don't really in grand 80s music video fashion appear to be playing the actual song you're listening to yeah (laughs) and (laughs) i i mean i swear to god on all the tolly at one point she is doing the funky chicken yeah she's just making shit up randomly but you know she just gets by on you know good looks and raw charisma and stuff, yeah. I mean, I can only imagine what it actually sounded like if you were on the boat, but, you know, who knows. Yeah. Like, my friend went to see her two years ago. Two? Yeah, oh, she's wow. still touring and she's still busting this stuff out. Like, you know, and yeah, that this song came off her 19th studio album at wow. 43. That was 30 years ago. Yep. Like, people were making jokes about her surgery back then, which is the sort of shit famous women have to deal with generally, but, like... Like, frankly, if you want to look like sure at 70, just surgery isn't going to cut it. You're going to need to drink that potion from death becomes her. <laughs> I think that's the only way that's going yeah. to happen. Anyway, according to this guy, the audience was 80% uh, gay dudes. So that might explain the decision to use her for Navy recruitment. Yeah, possibly. absolutely. Yeah. Lyrically, like, yeah, there's not, there's not much wrong with this it's all right it's very yeah. simplistic do you like the song Are you a fan? i do yeah look yeah. i think i'm not, what would you describe this as it's, it's, it's a tough one. Oh, look i think this is um this kind? it's so it's 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 a it's a rock song i think isn't it like there's sort guitars of. in it kind of ish, yeah, ish. like is it is it a is it a heart i don't know it's like kind of a power ballad yeah but it's power ballad it, yeah it sort of builds but yeah yeah i see what you yeah it's presented visually is a rock song yeah but it's not really a rock song but it's not really a sort of traditional power ballad like she's not crooning at a person look as i've said tom my test for these sorts of things is if i'm in the iga and i'm in at 
lined up to go to the checkout and a song comes on, do I fake pretend to buy something else? <laughs> if I'm at the checkout in the IGA and I go, oh, I forgot the eggs, you know, if this song come on, would I do that? I, I probably would because the chorus hits hard um, yeah. when that chorus comes in. And look, am I going to put it on at home? No, I'm, I'm never going to choose nah. it myself at home. But if I'm at the IGA and I'm lined up to pay for something and this comes on, I might do a fake walk around the supermarket so I could hear it. Um, I or mean, I, Cole, I might put on Cole's radio and hope to hear it. So I can't think of a better recommendation than that. Absolutely, for sure, for sure. Does the, vi- the video clip, do you get the vibe that it's like someone from the Navy has phoned in for a stripper do you get that is, is it, does I mean, it have that? not to be cruel to her but it does kind of have that vibe this is pre under siege but there is yep. a definite sort of yeah kind of that sort of you know conjoining the ideas of being it's stuck seen, on a boat yep. with 500 dudes and no one else but you also might get to see some cans it's steve's point. 21st let's phone it phone <laughs> up and see who shows up oh it's sure <laughs> it's also shot watching it now looking back at it i didn't notice this so much at the time but it looks like it cost a lot of money the video yep. as you would get with the mm. u.s military budget but it also has that sort of michael bay look to it what what I now think of as that there's a lot of blue lens lights flares. lens flares there's like parts of the boat have clearly had um, coloured lights put underneath yeah. them so they glow from underneath I'm assuming your average you know yeah. <laughs> cruising uh, battleship doesn't have like red and no. green lights shining out from underneath it which just conveniently illuminate sure from underneath absolutely interesting like they sort keep of... suggestively waggling the cannons up and down <laughs> so sure can climb do. on and off them Interestingly, they filmed a whole storyline video clip of like ah, basically yes. not so necessary. They, they did the whole sort of like oh you know you know like love interest stuff blah 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 like character actors doing stuff yeah. and then the end sequence was going to be uh, sure yes. on the boat like the last thirty seconds or something but then they just went oh fuck it let's scrap all that other garbage <laughs> and just use that as the whole thing and it makes sense because I can't can you imagine like sort of like Keanu Reeves and you know fucking the chick from <laughs> Dirty Dancing being like and then like just cut to this at the end no you need it to be the whole thing Have you, do you remember that Simpsons episode where there's the subliminal messaging to join the Navy which is that <laughs> yeah. hip hop song that's convinced join the Navy backwards and they say and that when they confront the Navy recruitment people with it they say what how dare you use this kind of advertising they say oh we use other kinds of advertising too we also use liminal advertising which is just a poster that says why not join the Navy yeah. <laughs> it says and we use extra liminal advertising <laughs> what's that and he opens the window and goes hey idiot join the Navy I'm thinking that's what I think maybe they tried they started off with subliminal they moved up to liminal then when they had sure inner underpants straddling a giant 30 foot cannon on the front of a gun shop they were just like fuck it let's just go ultra liminal exactly the rest of it's wasting our time yeah for sure and look uh, I don't know I've not seen the data on uh, Navy recruitments pre and post this but let's we'll check the data we'll get back to people next week and we'll Mm -hmm. tell them um, whether this was a success or not I assume it was because holy shit yeah you know yeah I'm joining the Navy well I would if I was you know well I probably wouldn't have but you know I had, there's more of a chance I would have with sure. Um, oh, I think so. Episode, I mean, without a doubt. For sure. So um, who's, oh, six, 6.7 oh. mil, 34 cents on Discogs. Boom, boom. Yes. You know. 
Definitely, yeah. definitely. But I don't know whether there's like Sure, and then there's like a separate Spotify for like oh, Sunny 6.7 and Sure. Six point seven. That's a that's a lot. Yeah, yeah so that's definitely a, a fair bit. But yeah, she does have a lot of hits, so it's good. Um, <laughs> seven weeks of that. So then moving on to um, sorry, seven weeks in total for Sure, but she actually gets one week. And then um, we move on for three weeks is something else and we come back to share. So oh, okay. the next three weeks um, from the 16th of October is Jive Bunny and the Master Mixes <sighs> Swing the Mood. Okay. Right. Now, isn't it? It's, it's quite amazing that it's this is 16th of October, 1989. So there's only three months left of, of the decade, mm-hmm. Tom. Yeah. And Jive Bunny and the Master Mixes have waited until this sort of, you know, the 11th hour, so to speak, to drop the fucking... Worst song of the decade <laughs> right now, just then. Just when you thought, oh, Look the worst that. song of the decade's, you know, ostentatious, Australiana or whatever, Jai Bunny comes along and says, hey, I'm going to top you on this shit. For people under 35, what have you got here? Explain <laughs> it. Lay it out. Um, you've got a cartoon, you've got a, you, you, an animated rabbit, a cartoon rabbit, and basically some cunts mixing together really, really old songs. Yes, like so, 50s and yeah. 60s so rock and roll. Like basi- yeah. So it's, so yeah, exactly. It's, it's quote, I guess, rock and roll, first wave rock and roll or whatever. Yeah. So the songs, the oldest one um, is uh, from 1939. Yep. And uh, it goes up to like sort of the early 60s. So effectively, they've just taken 30-year-old songs yep. and stitched them together. Smash so them, yeah. it, And, you know, this shit seemed dated as hell yep. to me as a child in 1989. Yeah. So to young people now, it must seem like it's a fucking thousand years old. Yeah. So I mean, I remember this shit from grade six. Yep. And yeah, if you haven't heard it... To, well, this particular one. To give you an idea, this mixes together In the Mood by Glenn Miller, Rock Around the Clock... Little Richard and Wake Up Little Susie by the Everly Brothers. Yep. And like the best thing I could say for it was that 12 year olds liked it and maybe it possibly introduced some of us to rock and roll from people we'd never heard of who were dead long before we were born. Absolutely. But like this wasn't just one novelty song. This was a fucking fad. There were 11 of these fucking things in the UK charts between um, 89 and 91. Like this was not just one irritating song. It was a whole irritating They had a whole fad. album. They just kept fucking yeah, releasing the same And people shit. kept buying them or people in the UK kept buying them in Australia, I guess, as yeah. well. But yeah. Oh, for sure. Look, I guess um, if you haven't heard this, uh, obviously your enjoyment of this song will come down to, you know, whether or not you have a yeah. penchant for Do a poorly animated mood? rabbit miming, <laughs> come on, everybody, come on, everybody, over a mega mix of 60 to 80-year-old songs, effectively. Yeah. So. And like those ancient stock footage things of like old planes yep. crashing and yep. shit like that, and and you're not even hearing the whole song. You just get twenty you, seconds of it with a you get tw- a shitty scratching, and then it moves on to the next. Yeah, one. you get twenty sec. You get twenty seconds of a song, and then it just moves into the next one, and then into the next one, and it's just so it's twenty seconds times like you know f- half a dozen songs stitched together pretty poorly, and then that's just the end. And then there's just Jive Bunny in the video clip. And the animation on that rabbit, dare I say, it's some of the poorest animation I've ever seen in my life. There's absolutely no way that wasn't animated by a North Korean in a forced labor camp at gunpoint. It is just the shakiest fucking... So just imagine a cartoon rabbit that looks like it's drawn by a child. Um, Just, yeah, as Tom said, sort of animated over the top of stock footage of like just shit from the 60s. so badly animated that... 
I forgot that he was animated. In my memory, mm. it's a just a static picture of a rabbit <laughs> with stock yeah. footage happening in the background. Yeah. But um, it's yeah, it's funny because we say it's animated and, and it is in the video clip, but um, for promotional purposes, they'd also send <laughs> a guy in would. a Jive Bunny costume. Yeah. So like when they by I, Jive Bunny, you just mean bunny costume. Yeah, a, a, a bunny, a rabbit a bunny. costume. <laughs> yeah, and look, it was the cheapest costume you can imagine. It sort of it looked like it was bought at a police auction, <laughs> and it used to be like it belonged to a bank robber that used it once as a disguise or something. So Got it shot of, in it and then shot in it, sold yeah. it to yeah, yeah, or used by the police as sort of like an yeah. anti sort of crime rabbit or something like that. Like just super cheap, and yeah, the as Tom mentioned, like um. If this was a one-hit wonder, you'd be like, okay, yeah, that's pretty disturbing. But yeah. they had several oh, number one hits in, in yes. the UK. This a couple 11, of others, 11 of these yep. in the charts. But um, yeah, more, had a Christmas one, ones. a yep. Christmas one, a few other ones. Yep. So yeah, it was it was total bullshit. Clearly what this is, is it's some dance party DJs from the time. People who play records out of yep. the back of a band. They had their own van and shit, and they thought, what if we just mashed together a bunch of stuff that is, I think, in Britain, out of copyright for sampling purposes? Because <laughs> yeah, sampling, you got to remember, in the 80s, sampling rules were a lot more lax. This was the time of Public Enemy, Paul's Boutique and stuff. You, you could grab much bigger chunks of samples and get away with it than you could possibly get away with now. Yeah. And my question as an adult was always, did they actually have permission for this? And the answer is, no, I don't think they did. Because when they re-released these songs in America, they had to swap in covers for the original recordings oh, because really? they weren't allowed to use, because the covers were still covered by American. So they were, in addition to sucking shit, plagiarists as well. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, this kind of stuff is why people hate DJs. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you're a DJ hater or not, but I'm, oh, I'm look, saying that this kind of thing gives DJs a bad name. Look, definitely, look, Tom. Look, I will say I'm a DJ hater, and I will also say this: that um, while we're talking about this sort of thing, um, Australian artists, um, the Avalanches, they're people. Yep. People love and the Avalanches. Girl talk people, is another one. Exactly, but people people love the Avalanches. They sort of you know love the fact that they've um, taken old samples from. I think you know their first album. They talk about you know there was some. 3,000 I think it was or something they discussed a lot about 3,000 yeah. different samples stitched together to make this sort of new music but let's face it <laughs> the avalanches are effectively a new millennium Jive Bunny and the Master Mixers <laughs> they just need 3,000 samples because the samples can only be 3 seconds yep. long whereas back then you could yep. just have 3 1 minute samples and make a three-minute song and go, that's my song, yeah. release it and get all the money from oh, it. Oh, for sure. If, if you're an Avalanche's fan and you don't like Jai Bone and their master mixes, you're a hypocrite. I mean, they're the same. They're effectively the exact same artists. So, yeah, um, so there right. you go. They're the same shit. So there you go. Um, but look, this trades exclusively in nostalgia in 1989. Oh, did. even at the time, yes. At the time, it yep. did. So now, I mean... As I mentioned, the songs were 30 years old then. So for young people now, listening yeah. to this, I must just be like, this is like, <laughs> it may, like, like were the dinosaurs still alive then? It seems yeah. like it's a billion years ago. The modern equivalent of this would be like songs from this era. 
It would be oh. if you mixed up all the songs <laughs> we put together into one wacky mega mix, <laughs> put on a fucking crocodile costume and dancing yeah. around in front of it, you would probably get quite famous. That's I what I was suspect. about to say, Tom. Yeah. I was actually going to Unfortunately, su- as long as the crocodile had sunglasses and was ironically doing it, you'd be fine. Well, like, I was actually going to suggest, Tom, the fact that um, these songs are all 30 years old and this came out 30 years oh, ago. Sorry, it's, no, I was just going to say it's right for... No, I was just going to say it's right for us. Mm. to do our own thing why do, can we cut together Jive Bunny and the Master Mixes <laughs> songs now that are in turn cut together from 30 year old songs and release it today as like I don't know Cunt Bunny and the Master I don't know, whatever the fuck we decided to call it do you think is there a market for us to cut together this old shit and then oh, re- 100% as long, it, as long as you can present it ironically you'll be fine is it like, like getting some uh, with tits on it is it like one or the other but does it is it is it like getting you know you get pure cocaine and then it's cut with something and then it gets cut with something else and then we're cutting that really cut down drugs with something else to the point that it's cut down to the point is it going to lose something by us cutting together Jive Bunny and the Master Mixer songs or is it going to gain something I think it's going to lose something because half the people with 50s nostalgia which is what this is would yep. now be dead oh that's true so, that's true like but I reckon the exact same idea but with 80s nostalgia instead you're cashing in on Generation X's who are paying $300 for reworked He-Man figures true I reckon you could make it happen look I really hope that Jive Bunny and the Master Mixers the people behind it made no money I'm hoping that Whatever records, because unfortunately they made shitloads. I suspect seeing is that they're all still DJs of some sort. One uh, guy formed the Tidy Tracks label, who were fucking huge in uh, the courts. Like my brother had like a dozen records by them. Because I was play. just assuming that sort of like whatever they had to pay out so much money for the samples, but as you said, the laxness of sort of things in the yeah. Don't quote something. me on that, but they lyrically. The rules were certainly much laxer back then. And as I said, they're clearly laxer in the UK than in yeah. America. But yeah, maybe they had to pay some nominal amount to do it. Yeah, but yeah that's enough. Please, let's stop. Yeah, for sure. Look, all I'll say is that, um, look, I, I had a quick look and um, this oh. sold 140,000. The album, Jive Bunny the Master Mixes, sold 140,000 copies in Australia because it went double platinum you need 70,000 for platinum so it sold at least that in total that's Um, depressing but looking at Discogs um, there's only 25 copies of the Australian edition for sale of the album so I assume that nobody in their right mind is still playing this today (laughs) so given that there's 25 for sale maybe there's like another 25 on people's shelves at home that to me says that 99% of this album is in landfill now. Do you think, Tom? Is that does that sound fair? I would say people so. just threw it away because it's so bad. Or so. at the end of shooting ranges, or you know. Yep, yep. absolutely. Um, look, usually I say listen to the songs. Don't bother. Probably. <laughs> oh, maybe go on to YouTube just to see how bad the music video is. But um, you can get the impression of this in five seconds. Yeah. Absolutely right. Yeah. The yeah, oh, it's, God, it's they just used to advertise this on television as yeah. well. Come on, everybody! It was one of those yeah, one of those late night. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, shit sucked. Anyway, so yeah, moving on. Um, last song of the year. So Sure's oh, back yeah. for a couple of weeks after this. But the very last song, 18th of December for eight weeks, is B52's Love Shack. Uh, last number one of the decade, Love Shack. 
this is no rock lobster for me, but this is their biggest hit. What do you I'm, think? What do you I'm think a about big this? fan, personally. Yep. Yeah. I yep. mean, like you say, I wouldn't say it's their best song, but it's just, you know, it's undeniably catchy as shit. Oh, absolutely like, right, for sure. Like, this is a big hit. Um, this is pretty good. Um, the music video is directed by the guy that also directed Baby Got Back by Sir Mix-A-Lot, Push Little Daisies by Ween, and also some episodes of Breaking Bad. That's pretty good. So I, there you go. I was going to say, I think this is accidentally, just inadvertently, quite a good spot to leave the decade because that vi- this video really is a great example of the totally dominant 80s video lock look that we've been yeah. talking about for weeks. Dark and smoky, giant hair, blue light, rotating fans, fake night streets, no irony whatsoever, into the dominant, popular, mid-90s pop video look of every colour in the entire mm. world, brightly lit, quirky shit everywhere, postmodern, fashion bollocks, sense of humour, and like self-consciously sort of fake-looking sets. It's a look that I like to call cool as ice, after the worldwide number one box office smash hit vanilla ice vehicle, <laughs> And also because cool as ice sounds better than gay as shit, which is what I felt about this look at the time, aged 13. But yeah. I wouldn't say that now, of course. I would simply call it cool as ice. Oh, absolutely, yeah. But yeah. if you watch that video, that video, that movie, it is 90 minutes of this look. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> For sure, but yeah, we've talked, we, have, we haven't talked about cool as ice, have we? Oh, I'm sure sort of, it'll uh, get <laughs> Well, once Vanilla Ice comes up, yeah. He went on to do many other famous movies as well, that guy, the cinema. Oh. Photographer from that, yeah. Well, as yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that Which another sure, day, but but time. certainly, um, yeah, uh, it's probably what people have probably called the shittest film with the best cinematography, <laughs> like in but, terms. But of, you know what I mean, right? Like this, this look took over oh, yeah. for the next, you know, that was not not grunge videos, but like pop yeah. videos looked like this for like the next eight years. Whereas, like you know, look, even like three months ago, we've got that. Richard Marks video, which is still that standard 80s video. Black and white, yep. Black, you know, or like someone under a blue spotlight, moody, you know, that sort of stuff, yeah. Absolutely, look, um, love the song, but um, honestly, you know, Love Shack, you know, lyrics, <laughs> little old place where we can get together. Does a Love Shack look like somewhere that you'd like to hang out? Because it looks like my worst nightmare. Like, <laughs> watching the video and thinking about the Love Shack, it just looks like you'd run into the seediest cunts imaginable there, don't you think? Just like, well, people is like, fuck. The, the, you'd run into some guy yeah. and just be, you'd sit down I with a beer and mean. some dude would just be like, going, what, what are you drinking? It's just, oh, just a beer. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> I stabbed my first wife drinking a beer or something yeah, like that. You're like, oh, like, oh, oh I've been up all hell. night on meth. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> when I when I got out of prison the first time, I came here and just drank heaps of beer. And you're like, oh yeah. Supposedly, the Love Shack was actually a real place in yeah. Georgia where one of the singers used to live. Okay. And it eventually burned down. I mean, I guess there was just too much red hot action going on. <laughs> no doubt. Some twat tried to light meth off the stove, maybe. Yeah. But, in a word, I have to admit, yes, I would have hung out there. I used to live like in the party house in college, and yep. it was dope. But I was eighteen, <laughs> and I could still fall asleep to the sound of jagged little pill on repeat at a volume that would now be used for war crimes. So, uh, yeah. Do you like, think they use jagged little pill at Guantanamo Bay? I one hundred percent guarantee that. In fact, I think they did, but only after they stopped using the Geneva Convention to <laughs> make the rules about what they were allowed to do. But yeah. 
I mean, I think this is just catchy shit. Yeah. Like, really, I like this for the same reason I like the B-52s in general. Like, it's more about sort of creating a party vibe yeah. and a mental picture of a fun or weird situation than evoking heartbreak or pretending to be best friends with Bette Midler. Like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's more literal, this song, than some of theirs, like a cartoon beach party or something. But, like, it really works. That Fred Schneider said in an interview, they just wanted to sound like when you open the door to a rad party and there's just this blast of energy and fun coming out from inside it, which yep. is exactly why this is still a number one karaoke slash wedding jam. I oh, yeah. yeah. I can imagine this being played at sort of weddings till, till the sun years. fucking explodes. For sure. Probably, yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely, yeah, no, really good. Um, I, I did mention Rock Lobster at the start. I, I'm a That's big a fan. I love song. Rock Lobster as well. It's probably my favourite B-52 song, but this is also yeah, another great it's, one. It's more interesting and experimental than this is for sure. Oh, but yeah. obviously this is sort of, you know, you, you start off, at, I think any band that starts off sort of doing something against the grain and experimental, you do that and then, you know, you, you become better songwriters. And this is not by any means a conventional pop song at all no but it's just sort of there's obviously, all sorts of stuff going yeah, on here yeah but it's just sort of you know it's just slightly it's it's just the B-52s that have I guess crossed over quote unquote to the to the mainstream yeah because this, this was sort of their only real big hit I guess but, yeah, you know they've still definitely. been performing since for, forever so yeah. um, look Tom would you ever get married at Disneyland <laughs> probably not no no, no look <laughs> Honestly, if if I was engaged and my fiance said I want to get married at Disneyland, to me that's a massive red flag, like just enormous. Um, I can't think of anything worse in my life. Um, it can cost a hundred grand US to get married at Disneyland, wow. which doesn't surprise me, and everything's extra. So apparently. A hundred grand is like a base level. You oh, show okay. up. That's you, just Mickey, Mickey Mouse shows up for like ten minutes. That's an extra ten grand. You know. Oh, you know, you, God, you know Pluto's. Oh God. You know whatever. Yeah, all this sort of stuff. So getting married at Disneyland seems like the wackest thing in the world. But anyway, the reason I bring this up is apparently, Love Shack is one of the songs that they will refuse to play at a Disneyland <laughs> wedding. So, well, that might be because it is still a little bit too much fun for Disneyland. Absolutely, like it's yeah. a little bit too sexy and yeah. silly. Then <laughs> for sure, but yeah, so I'm not sure what what's. You know, I haven't seen the complete, you know, exclusive list of what's banned at a Disneyland wedding. I'm but I did you're read to that play One Night in Bangkok by Sodom, which we've already covered. You're definitely allowed to play One Night in Bangkok um, for sure. You're allowed to play uh, probably not like a prayer. I don't know whether they'll let you do that. Cradle of Filth. You can play Cradle of Filth. Yeah, absolutely. They they that's enjoy an extra ten grand. That's an extra ten grand. They'll let you play it for ten grand. But um, yeah, certainly. I don't know why, but for some reason, Love Shack's on that ban list. So there you go. So that's the, that's um. 2.4 mil for the B-52s. Yeah. Yep, fair enough. That's probably about right. Um, $1.31. So cra anything that cracks the dollar mark, I think, is... Oh, sorry. I forgot to mention Jive Bunny, the, <laughs> Bunny the Master Mixers. Um, two cents for that. You can pick uh, that up for. Yeah. Which is about... And they've got 200,000 listeners on Spotify, which makes me... I would give someone me, two cents to take it away yeah. from me. 200,000 listeners. Small change for that. Yeah. Yeah. Makes me lose my faith in humanity a bit, knowing that two hundred thousand people um, listen to Jive Bunny per month. But yeah, anyway, so dollar thirty one, two point four on the Spotify. They must have printed many, probably because they weren't very big. Yep. publicly until then. Have you got anything else for uh, uh, about re B fifty two? Two yep. small things. Yeah, uh, most of it's just silly party bollocks. Uh, 
got, I always thought this was slightly odd, got me a car, it seats about 20, so come on and bring your jukebox money. Like, I know this is a kind of retro song, but seriously, no one's got a fucking boombox at the love shack. No. You have to pay for the jukebox. It sounds insane, <laughs> yeah. Kind of, um, yeah, there's one line that everybody seems to wonder about, or, you know, not everybody, but, you know, the, the one weirdest line in this whole song, which is the bit where she yells out, tin roof rusted, mm. which I took me years to even figure out what that was, because it doesn't make any sense, so why would you figure it out? And... In a ninety ninety spin article, uh, they said at one point while I was jamming, Keith Strickland stopped playing. Cindy kept singing. She screamed, "Tin roof!" Thinking that the music was still going. Then she looked around, realizing that everybody had stopped, and just said, "Rusted." And the band worked it into the final mix just because they thought it sounded good. Why she decided to yell tin roof, I can only imagine. But yelling random noise words during a jam definitely fits the band's demo. <laughs> if you've ever heard Rock Lobster, that's about 50% of the vocals is just weird voice yeah. noises. So, yeah. Look, you know, other I, than that, you know. I love the fact that the song has that sort of... Um, song's playing and then there's a break yes. that's just a vocal part which is built up for people on any dance floor, yeah. anywhere imaginable to yell that out. Yeah. But I love the fact that... It's what they that, call a drop now, yeah, you know, like it's... For sure. A, yeah, it's just so, so The song's prepared yeah. for that and then they do it and then it comes back in. But I love the fact that despite the fact this is a huge hit, <laughs> most people still don't even know what it is. Yeah, and, and then when they figure it out, it makes no fucking <laughs> yeah. sense. Yeah. It's like, it's like, you know, it drops yeah. and it's like, let's party or something like that the fact that it makes no fucking yeah. sense it's kind of is, fun. is on brand for B-52s yeah. and that's I think if it may I wouldn't like the song as much if it was just like <laughs> let's rock or something like that yeah. it would be lame as no. hell but Tin Roof Rusted is like yeah fuck yeah it's fun and it's a good drop it works if you've ever been a dance floor with this play it works 100% of the time absolutely right yeah. so yep so that's great that's the end of the decade on the B-52s love shake good way to good end the decade I think leave. certainly yeah. Um, look, just real quick, um, I talked about last week and very briefly this week how 88 and 89, um, the Kent Music Charts and the Aria Charts divulged. Ah, uh, yes, yep. So um, we've just looked at um, 1989 Aria Charts. Kent Music Charts, there was a little bit of difference. They had a couple of extra number ones mm-hmm. that we didn't have um, this in, in this. So if you want to have a look real quick, Tom... February uh, on the Kent charts for one week was Womack and Womack Teardrops. Ah, yes. So, I won't go on about this too much. I no. hated this song when I was young. I find it boring <laughs> as shit. It's not as bad as I remembered it no. being, but it's still, it's only four minutes long and it still seems like it repeats itself twice. It's a magical trick. I don't know how they achieve it, but yeah. Absolutely. Um, Womack is a fucking sick band name though I think Womack it's a sick surname oh, it's a great surname like, uh, and, and that's good because yeah. it's a husband and wife duo they so are if, they're if both it's like, children of musicians yeah uh, so it's yeah. like what should we call ourselves Womack and Womack that's fucking <laughs> yeah. radical uh, Cecil Womack who's the husband yep. his dad was Bobby Womack if you think Cecil Womack's a good name, uh, one of his brothers was called Friendly Womack. Fucking hell. Which that's, is just a kid's amazing. cartoon character. <laughs> Friendly Womack. Tell me that doesn't have franchising possibility. <laughs> and yeah, and Linda Womack was Sam Cooke's daughter. They both co-wrote heaps of shit songs. They had a song with Rolling Stones. Did It's All Over Now. That was a yep. cover of their first album. So yeah, they were, had big success. This it's all been songwriting teams this year. Yeah. It's all uh, absolutely. Yeah. Look, this is an emotional or track. Songwriter. Um, you look at they're a husband and wife team. Yeah. I think the husband wrote this one. Um, 
footsteps on the dance floor remind me baby of you like um is bobby what like i think you know sort of saying hey what's this song about oh nothing don't worry oh, about it's it just it's just fine just really a, regretted cheating on this a, person that i knew just um, a fun song it's nothing to do with me <laughs> trying to bang someone else it's not you so yeah um so that was for a week um in the kent charts um 20th of march for one more week um, once again, one week was uh, Ian Moss Tucker's <laughs> daughter. Now, fucking hell! Look, look, Ian Moss. If you don't know, he was in Cold Chisel, as was Jimmy Barnes. We already know that guy's sketchy as shit. I mean, fucking hell. Um, but look, Tucker. Look, the video clip for this. Ian Moss was born in 1955, so in 1989 that makes him 34. In the music video. Um, Tucker's daughter looks like she's at 15 she at does. most. I forgot this. At absolute yeah. maximum. <laughs> so he's trying to hit on her. That shit is not on. So yeah. cancel this guy. Plus, there's no reason that they could not have just used a young guy in the video. Could have used like, a 20-year-old guy in the video. He doesn't need to be playing the character in the video. They just keep it as he's seen. Or they could have used someone that was 25. If you haven't heard this, this is pretty close to country and western this is the audio equivalent of an rm williams shop like yep. it is i mean it is kind of catchy i have to admit at least it does have a catchy beat definitely and, yeah but look you look at the music video <laughs> there's some black singers performing mm. that they look like they're singing at gunpoint in a shearing in shed. a shearing yeah. shed uh and ian moss is probably hitting on a 15 year old girl um, on a yeah. slave labour farm like it has that sort of vibe where it's just like the dudes don't want to be there yeah. uh, and the chick's yeah. real young and Ian Moss is just like going oh I don't know t- I don't know what Tucker's up to I well, mean maybe he's the real villain in this so. in the lyrics yep. uh, which also sort of cast a certain light on what those guys are doing there because mm. as you say the Aussie outback isn't known for a lot of travelling African American well, background exactly, vocalists exactly. buying their trade from sheep farm to sheep farm yeah okay so this is the <laughs> first lyrics uh, I had to look I had to google these because I still didn't know what he actually says here but it's hang me for a sucker on the plains out of Narrabri swinging a hoe in a cow cotton row cow cotton was Californian cotton so this is, you have to remember, this song was written by two white men. Yeah. <laughs> so straight out of the gate, we're picking cotton in the desert uh, for an American company. Um, so she'll be waiting at the end of my line, taking the shade with a cool lemonade, saying, boy, I want to talk to you. Boss man's only daughter. She ain't his and she'll never be mine. Never be down on a dollar or two or told what she's going to do. Now, I appreciate <laughs> that at least the woman is the one in the driver's seat here, but because of that, she's also wicked and wild, and mm. not to mention a child, yeah, which is <laughs> And I mean, Ben, there's no law against two white guys writing a song about picking cotton in the sun all day and the boss man's daughter trying to take advantage of you for some behind-the-sheds dick. Yeah. By the standards of most 80s stuff, this is lyrically elegant and complex. <laughs> I'm just saying that these two Caucasian guys have written a Negro plantation spiritual, and I'm asking if we should cancel them for that or not. Yeah, probably, look... Uh, we only cancelled one person this week, apart yeah. from the Madonna who's been cancelled into the ground. Look, this song's sketchy as hell. <laughs> Ian Moss is sketchy as hell in this. I think, you know... Come at me. Hang me for a sucker. Good first line. For <laughs> Hang me for a sucker, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Look, it's pretty good. Look, I like that. Can we? I don't know whether I'm prepared to give him a pass on that, but uh, look, who knows? I'm not saying it's uncancelled. Hang me just... for a sucker, but yeah. So, if we're cancelling Jimmy Barnes, 
and Ian Mosser. Does that mean probably all of Cold Chisel are gone? Oh, I'm sure so. Cold Chisel would be cancelled merely done. for their on-stage behaviour, let alone <laughs> off-stage behaviour. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, there you go. So, Ian Moss, he's, he's a one-hit wonder on the Kent charts, but Aria have ignored him, probably because of the sketchiness of this song. And there's one more this week, 5th of June for one week, oh, Julian Lennon, God almighty, yeah. Now You're in Heaven. <laughs> Now, look, it's probably good that John Lennon was dead by 1989 <laughs> because no one wants to have to witness themselves being overshadowed by their own son. <laughs> Is that an accurate assessment, Tom? <laughs> no, and, you know, just for general notes for anyone making a music video in the future, no one else wants to see themselves overshadowed by a giant ventriloquist dummy <laughs> no. that they're sitting on the knee of, especially when the song is supposed to be about how red-hot smoking gun you are in the sack. And the rest of the video is you either trying to use a ventriloquist dummy very badly or incomprehensibly bored people in the audience <laughs> trying to watch you. Whoever, I'm, I'm saying whoever made this video clip would, did not like this guy very much or no. liked his dad a lot and was trying to get revenge on him for his, you know, possible involvement in his father's death. But, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... The lyrics of writing dick, writing checks his dick could no way cash. <laughs> I just... Is this just the level of confidence you get if you're someone's dad in a famous band? Yeah. Like, if your dad was Nicky Six, would you be walking up to women and telling them that if you go to the bone zone, they'll be taking a, quote, trip in ecstasy? And it's quite literally <laughs> the only way they'll ever be happy. If, <laughs> I mean, you know. Look. Absolutely. Look... I love it when children come along and um, <laughs> ride on the coattails of their parents without really any discernible talent. That's I, something I quite I feel a bit sorry for this guy, I must admit. He was five when his parents divorced. His dad ignored him until the mid-70s, then died when he was 17. Said about a bunch of mean shit about him in the press. Didn't include him in the will. And on top of that, Sean Lennon, who's his step-brother, yep. his son with Yoko, also became a musician, but he was the cool one. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. on the other hand, Paul McCartney wrote Hey Jude to make him feel better after the divorce. Except now, on top of everything else, everyone thinks you've got a girl's name and that you got along better with some dude in your dad's band more than your <laughs> actual dad. So, yeah, you know, look. Yeah, it's rough. Do I feel sorry for him? Maybe not. <laughs> I don't really care. I would um, say, you know, if there's one lesson we can learn from Julian Lennon, it's don't appear in a music video with a ventriloquist dummy oh, under any circumstances. Under any circumstances. So that's that. That's the songs that were... Ken songs that uh, were number ones. Um, look, other hits for this year, there's quite a few there were, of good yes. songs. Um, songs peaking at number two, uh, especially For You by Kylie Minogue and Jason Donovan. Is that one of the finest duets that's ever been recorded? <laughs> that was... The song that introduced me to the world of Neighbours, I yep. believe, yeah, which yep. I think it was actually when, were they, was that their wedding song when they oh, got probably. married on Neighbours? I think so, I think it probably was their wedding if song. If not, I've Neighbors. merged them in my brain, but yeah. Absolutely, but that's another Stock Aiken and Waterman one, so the production <laughs> sounds Christ. weak as fucking all hell, yeah. but um, yeah, look, it's, um, it's, it's an emotional hit, so... Um, if Bette Midler's song Wind Beneath My Wings is the most played at funerals this one has to be one of the most played at weddings even to this day one would sure. assume so um, Bedroom Eyes by Kate Sobrano <laughs> um, <laughs> had a crush on her sure oh absolutely um, do you reckon this is written about um, L. Ron Hubbard <laughs> Do you reckon he had bedroom eyes for Kate Sobrano or vice oh, versa? I guarantee so. that he did if he hadn't been dead by this point. Like, yeah, that's yeah. true, that's true. Or, but um, Or is he dead? Has he merely transcended to 
I think he's transcended yeah, <laughs> to, into Ian Moss's body. He's singing to Tucker's daughter, I assume, by or this stuff. Or perhaps toaster. into the son of Mike from Mike Plus the Mechanic. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Bat Dance by oh, Prince, number two. I had some things to say about that, but we may not have time. For that. You can say whatever <laughs> you want about, about I, that. I thought about we were going to do a little uh, end of the decade wrap up, but we, considering as we've probably gone on. Gone for about six hours. So look, we, <laughs> sh- we, what, ha- what, yeah. we should just do a whole episode. It's an end of decade. Hey, rap. let's do that. Let's sure. do that next yeah. week. That's but good. Yes, Bat right. Dance was Yeah, Bat Dance. Two. That was um, huge. I'll just quickly This was the this. year of the Michael Keaton Batman movie, which was massively it popular. It was huge. Look, I'll collate some data time, and next week we can do a bit of an 83 to end of decade. Um, sure. We can, we can figure out how many hits were from dudes, how many were from chicks, how <laughs> many right. were from bands, etc. So... Yeah, we can do that, um, and you can talk about that. Dan, if you so desire. All I want is you by you two. We didn't start the fire by Billy Joel. Oh, yeah. All number twos, and then some other ones, some other major hits. Baby, I don't care by Transmission Vamp. Made oh, it to number I three. About Transmission. Fucking Vamp. Wendy James. Two hit wonder. Uh, yeah. she was. I thought she was hot as hell when I was Damn, about yeah. ten. She so. was like Susanna Hoffs. Absolutely. Poison by Alice Cooper. Boom. <laughs> yes. It's a big one. Not to be confused with Poison. Stop by Sam Brown. <laughs> uh, Talk it over by Grayson Hughes. You remember that one? The video <laughs> clip where they're all in suitcases. <laughs> the oh, band. God, the band jumps out of suitcases and <laughs> sings the song. So it's red hot. <laughs> Um, Dressed for Success by Roxette, another Roxette banger. Commonly retitled. You got it, Roy Orbison. Undressed for Some Sex. (laughs) Uh, The Best by Tina Turner. I can't believe that wasn't a number one hit. I just thought that was one of her biggest songs. Simply the best shows. And also Roy Orbison as well. This cannot have been long before he died. No, absolutely. I Don't Want a Lover by Texas. That's another big hit. Um, And then Hits by Australian Artists. Uh, Ring My Bell by Colette. (laughs) (laughs) I think in the video clip she's wearing washing up gloves at some some point she's wearing that was the first time I'd ever seen anyone wearing bike shorts which was to become a regrettably (laughs) popular fashion item in the next few years I think even I owned some bike shorts by that time one of those things people remember as being an 80s thing but that was actually an early 90s oh definitely definitely but Colette's sort of like um, what she was the poor man's Kylie Minogue maybe by this stage yeah she was that was a cover as well Um, she has to be loved by Jenny Morris Uh, rock and roll music Music by Mental as Anything, oh, yeah. which featured on the uh, Young Einstein <laughs> soundtrack. Yeah, sure did. One Summer by Daryl Braithwaite. Oh, that's a classic. I'll Absolutely. Stick Say Goodbye by Indecent Obsession. You remember Indecent Obsession? Am I getting One Summer confused with Riding on the Horses? Well, no. Are they the same song? No, no. One Summer is a different song to the horses, <laughs> okay. which may feature in the near future, Tom, I think. The so. horses are running along a beach. Anyway. Yep. Say Sa- goodbye. Say goodbye, <laughs> Indecent Obsession. Remember, I don't know if you remember Indecent <laughs> Obsession. Yes. They're a band that I think dressed they exclusively... Like too unlimited, I <laughs> They also dressed exclusively in wetsuits, so they'd just <laughs> yes. be them in like the mall, just, you know, like buying... You know, a fucking focaccia yes. from a shop just it in a wetsuit going, why Malcolm, are you wearing a wetsuit? Wet Malcolm suits? McLaren-esque fashion flourish exactly. that failed to take off. For sure. Um, Makes as much sense as bike shorts though, frankly. Indeed. Chained to the Wheel fucking by the Black Sorrows. Um, and wouldn't change a thing, hand on your heart and never too late, all by Kylie Minogue. <sighs> Which so. were all cock-aching, watering cans. Yeah, that was sucked. That was sucked shit, but yeah, anyway. Um, best out of those, probably Hand on Your Heart, but still not great. Anyway, so I'm I still it like up. One Summer. 
and oh, rock and roll music's definitely. fun, although I think that's a cover. For sure. All right. Um, so that was probably really long, but we had a lot of lot to talk about. Thank <laughs> you for listening. Um, do whatever social media thing that we decide mm. at some stage or not. And uh, we'll be back next week with a potentially undecided yet maybe a, a decade a decade breakdown where we, we we look at the data we look at um, maybe some of the songs that weren't number one hits that were the biggest songs of the decade I was just playing the wank on about music videos for a 10 no we'll do hours. that we'll do that let's do that sounds sweet alright uh, farewell okay. au revoir as they say in France <laughs>